Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, that's why I'm making a mistake on the show. Well, not on the show itself, but uh, I managed to leave my water, you know, way across the counter. And I got to sit at my microphone. I've, I found this out about five seconds before the show started. So maybe I'll just let Bill ramble on for like a minute while I race across the counter and get it again. Yeah, it's no fun. <laughs> I think I can last for, for, for his report. Let me get two. Oh, see, see, this is how unprepared I am today. Ah, here it is. Anti-Action Radio presents the Fecky Report. Good morning, Action Radio land. I'm so glad to be back in the world of Greganomics. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a slow news day, though, Bill. What are we going to talk about today? Oh, I don't know. You know, here in the Gulf Coast, we have uh, more than just national news going on. We have a whole bunch of ripples in the way in the water, um, and it Ooh. all stems from Washington. Ripples on the DC. coast. Oh, ripples, ripples on, on the, the coast. coast. What a what a nice uh, what so, a nice metaphor to start our, our Wednesday. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, last year. Uh, well, the last couple. You know, well, let's go back. I reported three years ago, I think, maybe two years mm-hmm. ago at this point, where uh, I reported that Matt Gates was very unhappy about being in Washington D.C. Huh. Um, this is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. He wasn't very happy. People didn't like him, and he didn't like them. Um, well, I, I, yeah, listen, and people could, in radio don't like me. I know exactly how he feels. <laughs> yeah. You know. So yeah. So. Uh, so, so there's business. a so there's <laughs> yeah there's a lot going on and there's a uh, talk for a very long time for mm-hmm. the last two years that he would uh, run for governor here after Ron DeSantis uh, finished up his term. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people dismissed it. Some people thought he would actually run in 2022 for governor. Uh, there's a lot of rumors about that going around. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, uh, but now let's fast forward here. Uh, a local. Uh, man who was our House of Representatives in District 2 for the state, state house in District 2 was Frank White a couple of years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. He ran um, after one term for Attorney General, end up losing. Um, he filed for State Senate here in our local District 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank White is uh, the son-in-law of a very prominent businessman here in town. Uh, who owns many car dealerships, um, well-respected, very nice Okay, man. name names. Come on, name names. This, uh, is, this, is, very, yeah, this, so, this is public. Well, okay. And so Sandy Sansing is um, a, a very well-known person in this area, in, in our panhandle here. He mm-hmm. owns many car dealerships, but one, I think one in Milton with uh, Bubba Watson, the golfer. Um, he also owns many here in Pensacola. Well, his mm-hmm. son-in-law, who's a lawyer, you know, um, had a very successful first term. Um, got, I, in my opinion, got a little bit greedy after one term in the state house. Ran for attorney mm-hmm. general. Um, lost, you know, he lost barely, but he did lose. Um, 
and he's been kind of quiet the last couple of years. Uh, he put his hat in the race for state Senate um, and mysteriously withdrew earlier this week. Um, no one could figure out why he withdrew. A couple hours later. Sex scandal coming or something? Down, I mean, uh, does he have something to do with farm animals or, or, or what? No. A couple hours later, <laughs> Matt Gates' dad. Sorry, that was that was a joke, Matt Gates is, Hello. Okay, go ahead. Matt Gates' dad, uh-huh. Don Gates, who's a uh-huh. longtime state senator for 10 right. years I in met the him. Florida House. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. very, very powerful. One of the most powerful men in Florida. Hmm. Um, he also uh, has the key to the safe for the Triumph Gulf Coast funds, which, if mm-hmm. people are not familiar with that, that's from the BP oil spill. And yes, yep. that money still hasn't been distributed um, mm-hmm. after how many years? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and so Don Gates decided he is going to run for state senate in District One. He We're is just seventy-five right, white years old. Right. Correct, and that's why uh-huh. Frank White stepped down. Um, oh. I, I'm assuming that it, I'm assuming in 2026 Frank will run for Congress or something like that with uh, Don Gates' backing. Uh, Against Matt Gates? Along the, where, where is he going to run from? No, they're, they're no, on the okay, same district. So, okay, well, let me finish the Oops, sorry. putting together the story for you. Okay. Right, so Don Gates, very powerful man. Okay. Right. Um, mm-hmm. He is 75 years old. He's had some health mm-hmm. issues recently. Mm-hmm. So why would he want to get back in the, the game? Yeah, uh, there's a, really a couple reasons. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a very valid question. So let's go back to what I started off the program with, with Matt Gates not being happy in D.C., doesn't like D.C., D.C. doesn't like him. He came out uh, two years ago. You know, like I said, he teased the governor run a couple years ago. Uh, he teased it again earlier this year that he uh, made a comment in he's passing not at the event. Uh, he's not governor material. There's, there's a big difference between legislators and, and executives. Uh, he's a legislator. He is not an executive. Legislators, uh, legislators are flamboyant speeches and great oratory and philosophical stuff. And administrators are supposed to be boring, you know, people to get things done and they, they make decisions, you know, within the law, but they don't create the law. Uh, the creation is the legislator. So he's more of a creator and a legislator than he is a governor uh, for the same reason that uh, DeSantis, I don't, I don't think, was a great member of Congress necessarily. But he was pretty good. He's pretty good governor, you know, and yes, he president is. yet. But yeah. But do you, do you, yeah. does that make yeah. sense, that split as to who can do what? It's not a transferable position. Trump would make a terrible legislator. It'd be horrible. Correct. Correct. But he makes a really good president. Yeah. And the, so, it, OK, so I agree with everything you say. But it doesn't what? matter because this is what's going to happen. No. <laughs> there's a reason why. Okay, fine. Well, I face that. There's a reason why. There's a reason why Don Gates is running for state senate, and he's going to win state senate. Oh, is okay. Because he, because Matt is coming home, he is going to run for governor, oh. and but he doesn't have the stroke in this state. So stroke. He needs, Ooh, that's like an inside political word, isn't it? Explain. Money, he doesn't power, have the power. He influence. What's that? Well, Go ahead. he doesn't. Now, Dad does, but no. he doesn't. Huh. No, you know, Dad. Dad was known as a bully in in oh. the state senate, and he always got he got his way through many different means, uh, depending who you talk to. Some will say negotiating, some will say bullying, mm-hmm. um, but once again, Dad has control of that Triumph Golf Coast money. 
Um, mm. So there's two, fo- the, you know, the conspiracy theorists and some of the insiders will say, mm. well, ongoing he's, investigation. He's doing it. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. He's trying to avoid investigation into why that money hasn't been spent yet. Oh, where's the interest? Um, the, the, the money is somewhere earning interest, isn't it? I mean, where, what's uh, where is that money? Well, you know that that is the million dollar question, and every any time anyone brings it up, uh, you kind of get that roundabout answer. Well, there's administration costs and blah blah blah. No, blah, no, no, blah. no. This is this is traceable. Yeah. I mean, they they have to pay. Uh, yeah. They have to account for it. It has to be tax paid. It has to be. There's got to be oversight on that money. There's got to be a you know some kind of a state commission that that's responsible. Exactly. You, you can't you can't just hide it. And if they're not, exactly. then you know if if they're hiding it, then the attorney general goes after them. So where's the money? Okay, so this is where the stroke comes in. You Ooh. have Don Gates, one of the most powerful men that people are literally afraid of because he knows where the bodies are buried. Oh. So by him going back into the state senate, uh-huh. now you have him to be able to orchestrate all around the state to help and kind of get people to help Matt in in areas where Matt is weak. To, um, you know, in the South, especially the South Florida Republicans who are a little bit more rhinos anyways. Um, so that's where Don Gates comes in and why it's why he is running, my opinion, why he is running for state senate. Okay, well, is all right, so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I know Don Gates was responsible for helping Matt get into the legislature in the first place, right? Because Matt was pretty young when he was a state representative, wasn't he? 20-something? Exactly. How yeah, he was. Um, I would say 26, 28, 26, okay. 27, something like so that. So he would have been um, yeah. early 30s when he started Congress, maybe, or, or was he still yeah, in his 20s? 30, I want to say 35, 36 when he started Congress. Because he looked younger. But that that's before the hair gel, though, so, you know, he, he, he yeah. didn't look like Eddie, Eddie Munster, you know, grown up. So, uh, yeah. He looks like, well, he looks like a real person. I, I think he looks like Jack, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah, that's funny. We gotta yeah. get him on the show again, just so we can tell him all our humor. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so that's what's going on here now. As far as what okay. Matt did uh, with Kevin McCarthy, brilliant, uh-huh. love it. I uh-huh. think it was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, but the underlying story that maybe because of it, and not saying it is, but. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, the Department of Justice opened up an investigation in the mat about sexual allegations. Oh, yeah, they um, did with things. all Republicans. That, you know, we, we joked yeah. about that, remember? You know, that's why I admit the phone. Uh, no, I, I know. Okay, I, if, so. the reason, do you know that came from? Do you know that, that's actually kind of a funny story. Pianchi uh, was on the line and we we're talking about, uh, I said, uh, you know, one day I'm, when I get uh, famous, I'm going to have an obligatory sex oblig- you know, investigation. And Pianchi says, yeah, it'll probably involve farm animals. And we just all cracked up. <laughs> it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. I still remember that. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so everybody gets one. Jim Jordan had one for no reason. Trump's had okay, a bunch, so, and they all, and they all go uh, rolling now, over, and they all go away well, right okay, after the election. So yeah, go ahead. It didn't go. It did not technically go away. It went oh. away in the public eye, but mm-hmm. behind the scenes, Kevin McCarthy was still trying oh. to. Yes, Mr. McDeep State. Mr. McDeep State was still trying to do this. So, so mm-hmm. there is some people who do believe that the reason why Matt brought this up and tried to cause more of a retaliation type of no, tactic because no, Kevin I don't McCarthy believe that. was doing this. 
I don't believe that. I'll tell you why, because he's got Trump's backing. So, and he went through that before. Uh, he went through that investigation. It was all a bunch of nonsense. And so I don't know. I don't see that. I think he's going after McCarthy for the reasons that he says he's going after from McCarthy. McCarthy's a lying, cheating, deep state uh, plant. You know, he's the next Paul Ryan. He's the next uh, John McCain and Mitt Romney. He is as bad as we all thought he was. He did exactly what we predicted he would do, which was that he would yep. violate all his promises and be a, a deep state, uh, you know, uh, operative. Because he's, uh, he's been in, in leadership for too, too long. You look at him, you know, looking fondly upon, uh, you know, John Boehner, one of those famous pictures. He's been in, uh, he's at the heart of the deep state. He's done nothing about the stolen election. He's done nothing about a variety of things. Let's just talk about Bonnie's not here in the next hour. So I, I, in my article, you know, I wrote why I'm not voting for Republicans until they fix certain things. The most important being uh, that McCarthy did was that secret deal with uh, Brandon on the economy and and eliminating the debt ceiling. You can't do that. The Speaker of the House cannot constitutionally make a deal with the president because presidents don't legislate. You don't make deals. You know, you you can trade for like bills once they're established, but that, that bill has to go to Congress first. And nothing ever got out of Congress. He goes, you know, to to Brandon, hat in hand, to an illegal occupant of the White House and comes back with an illegal deal. Well, that's why he got ousted. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I I agree. I agree totally. I'm just letting Uh you know what insiders are saying. Oh, I know what they're saying. I watched it last night. Yeah. But but here's here's my take real quick. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was right. going to say is that, no, I mean, everything that he stated is accurate 100%. And mm-hmm. Kevin McCarthy should have been kicked out. In fact, mm-hmm. he should have never been voted in to begin with. That's if what we're saying. If it takes you yep. Yep. 18, 20 times, whatever it was, to get enough <laughs> votes, mm-hmm. no one likes you. Yeah. <laughs> and well, the do only you thing you got in was selling yeah, your do you soul. Yeah, do you remember when it was happening? And we said, don't let him in. Yeah. He's only going to betray everything that he's, yep. he's agreeing to now. He's only saying that to get in. We said that, we, and we were absolutely right. Again, <laughs> we, we have a pretty good track record here of being right uh, on a lot of these things. But we knew this was going to happen. We knew it was inevitable as soon as he, he, got, he, he took office because we knew he was going to cheat and lie and go right back to the deep state. Now, here's my question, though. Uh, this is this is what the the most interesting and disgusting part of this whole thing. I'm watching news last night, and and one American news wasn't so bad, but Newsmax was was hopelessly kowtowing and catering because uh, Chris Ruddy, who runs Newsmax, hates Donald Trump, and he hates anybody that uh, supports Donald Trump. And of course, Matt Gates is one of his biggest backers, right? And so every single Republican that they interviewed, you know, they never interviewed the eight people or the seven people that voted along with Matt Gates. I didn't hear any of them on. All I heard were the whining, whimpering, disgusting, weenie baby butt wipes that has become the GOP geldings. It's a term from my flight instruction book. But uh, that's exactly what's going on. They're a bunch of weenie baby butt wipes that uh, have no business in Congress. They have no guts, no spine, no substance whatsoever. And they were saying, oh, this is terrible for the country. It's like Kevin McCarthy died and Matt Gates killed him. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Oh, I can't believe he's gone. Oh, this is a terrible thing for the country. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like the, the remember Lost in Space? Might be a bit before your time. Yeah. Uh, Dr. I, Smith? I, I remember. Doomed, doomed. Yep. We're all doomed. So uh, uh, I'm going to disagree with you about Newsmax a little bit. And the reason why is Matt Gates is on every Friday night. I mean, um, you know, first of all. Second of all, if he's not on Luke, Luke Ball, who was Matt Gates' assistant for a well, lot of Luke. years. I know Luke pretty he's, well. He, well, I know, but, this, but most of the people who are listening don't. Um, uh, well, he's on more American News all the time now. He's, he's, well, found he's his, also uh, on news. He's on Newsmax all the time, also. Oh, is that um, interesting? And then 
you know, as far as I only watch Newsmax, um, for, for whatever reason, my Roku only shows replays on um, One American News, so I don't get live stuff. You gotta I don't know why. you you, you got to subscribe oh. to us. Five bucks a month. Yeah, that, they're a subscription. Okay, so that's they got banned by so well, many explains. networks, they, they, they can't get the free service. But you, you do, it's worth it because that's, that's most where I get yeah, a lot so, of my news well, from like anyway. So yeah. I, I watch Newsmax, uh-huh. and Newsmax, I actually have to turn it off sometime because <laughs> I, don't get, I don't get the other side. I get always the pro-Trump side. Uh, and it's, uh, and sometimes, oh yeah, and it's almost agnostic sometimes to the fact that I'm like I, I just everybody, uh, mm. Eric Bowling, um, the guy before him, I can't remember his name Rob off Schmidt. the top of my head. Yeah. I really so the the, so yeah. the only three that are worth listening to are Carl Higby, Rob Schmidt, and Eric Bowling because they are pro-Trump and they mm-hmm. actually talk about the election being stolen, sort of, not completely because Chris Ryder would fire them if they actually said that. Um, but uh, the rest of them are, are a bunch of uh, you know leftist Republican weenie baby butt wipe, you know geldings. So those are the only. But you three know what though? To. Isn't that what uh-huh. isn't that what you're supposed to do with the news though? Is kind of have opinions from both sides, which they no. still don't have opinions on the no. Democrat side, which is fine. No, not at all. But, no. you know, uh, the, uh, uh-huh. the, the idea of objective journalism is hysterically funny. There's no such thing. You look at most of the cities back uh, and I got Pianca on. Pianca, I'll get you in just a second. You look at most of the cities around the country years and years ago and they had newspapers. They had a morning newspaper, a midday newspaper, and sometimes an evening newspaper. They'd have three or more newspapers per city, and each one of them had a perspective. You had your conservative papers. You had, like Boston, where I grew up. You had the mm-hmm. Boston Globe was liberal. The, the Boston Herald American was conservative. So you got both sides. So, so news organizations have a point of view. So the idea being objective is absurd. So they should go with their point of view. You know, the Washington Post is liberal. Uh, the Washington Times is conservative. Everybody knows that. So that's good. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I understand what you're saying. I disagree. Uh, but I think the news of should uh, present both cases and let you decide for yourself. No, but, um, each, but as I, each agency uh, can present their I own did, case. I did they, let you know last night, Greg, that I do have to cut you short today. Um, oh. I do have a conference call. I got to go yell at an insurance company. Uh, next week, we're going to have a long discussion about how COVID changed customer service in this country for the way Ooh. worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that. But uh, you're on such a rant right yeah. now. Well, let, let me give you. I know, but I, 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 well, I got to continue this rant with the insurance company because they've been doing me wrong. So I, ha- I do have to get going onto a conference call. So yeah, we kind of ruined that one today. Uh, <laughs> So I will uh, go earn my dollar for today, and we will continue this rant next week. Um, But I'm just glad McCarthy is out, and you guys have a good rest of the show. Well, yeah, another minute. Okay, fine. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) I guess he had to go early. All right, so now that I'm playing America the Beautiful, let's let's, uh, rant national. So we have a problem in this country. We have a deep state. We have a government that is illegal. We have a bunch of weenie baby butt wipes supporting the government. That's illegal. A good thing happened yesterday. One of the top uh, echelon of the deep state, of the people that believe in the nation of government and not America, got his butt kicked. And he got kicked out of, uh, out of the speakership. Hopefully he'll leave Congress completely. Anyway, let's get to uh, Yankee and see what, uh, what he says. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought Bill had like till, till 7.20, but apparently he only had till 7.18. So that's okay. Thanks, Bill. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> That's why he's talking faster. Hey, Pianchi, what do you think? Ray, a lot of these people need to be gone. Mm. Uh, Greg? I think I've been saying that. Yeah, good. agreed. Yeah, you're getting, absolutely. You're getting better with your uh, your predictions. 
Oh, thank more you. More accurate, more time. <laughs> well, yeah, experience. <laughs> you, you do it enough times. You know, I've been watching politics since I was, you know, 12 years old when I first got to this country. My, my first experience with American politics was Watergate. <laughs> and here I'm watching Congress, you know, impeach a president. I thought, hmm, this is an interesting country. This is exciting. <laughs> I like this place. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but you, do you remember our conversations about Kevin McDeepstate? I mean, I called him McDeepstate right from the start, as soon as he was being talked about as, as the potential speaker. I knew it was a mistake. I could see it coming. He was exactly in the vein of Pine. He was going to do exactly the same things. He was going to make sure the Republicans never acted like Republicans. He was going to be a total traitor to this nation uh, and, and our, our, our principles and our, and our individual rights and uh, our, our economics and the national debt and everything else, and he proved me right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, the only reason I tend to vote uh, Republicans, Republicans because they're platforms and things that I support and mm-hmm. would like to see done. Mm. But uh, the people that's uh, in these parties aren't worth the salt mm-hmm. and bread, I don't think. But, Greg, you, you know, it, it goes back, and I hate to keep saying it, it goes back to the people themselves. They let this exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they well, you've got people voting for idiots. You know, this is why democracy is so dangerous. Uh, and not that I would want their vote removed, but we've got to change the way that we elect people. Uh, the first thing I would do is remove the parties. You know, a nation cannot be. Well, here's a question for you. Do you, do you think that a nation would be truly free if it has political parties? Well, you know, you, political parties are allowed to exist. It's, they can get to the greatest extent or the least extent. Anyone can start them if you meet the qualifications, of course. And especially on a local level, they, I mean, they tend to, they tend to operate a little bit better because they're in the face of people. But yet, and still, they're not operating as good as they should. See, I don't think I, I, I'm, I'm rapidly coming to the conclusion. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? All this goes back to the citizens, Greg. Then guess what? You talk about government schools. I talk about government schools. I don't want to see them all get done away with because some of them are good. But whether they're good or bad, it's up to who. It gets back to the same one. And I don't yes, know how you change that. I really don't. Well, uh, full, full, uh, full school choice is the way you do it. Uh, so the, uh, the money that is collected for education doesn't go to government. It goes to people. And they will spend that money as they see fit. And where the ballet lessons, flying lessons, the debate team, you know, individual coaching, SAT classes, um, or a government school or a private school or a private tutor or a home school, that's up to parents. You know, it's well, also you up to individuals. In fact, it's up to anybody that pays taxes. It's not just parents, but those vouchers should be given to everybody so that they can donate yeah. to, uh, to the schools. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, the greatest thing that is quite obvious is lurking on the horizon is this U.S. debt, mm-hmm. the deficit, the mm-hmm. interest on the debt. Mm-hmm. And, Greg, if you brought your plane in for an annual, mm-hmm. which you have to do, once mm-hmm. a number of hours have been accumulated, and the mechanic brings back to you a written report, and it looks like the U.S. debt, well, <laughs> the only thing you can do with that plane is scrap it. Uh, I don't think your your analysis and metaphor exactly apply. Uh, I would think that uh, if the, the mechanic comes back and says you need a whole bunch of repairs and you go to your credit card company and say you have to raise my limit $100,000 because I need repairs on my airplane, and they say, well, you don't qualify for that. So it doesn't matter. I'm going to spend it anyway. That would be closer. <laughs> that would be more realistic. Yeah, you're so right. That's closer. 
Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that was a good start. So well, let's think about this for a minute because let's, let's think back about three or four months when I went to a Matt Gates rally. And this is an old place called Jay. Jay, Florida is the northern part of Santa Rosa County. It's mostly peanut and cotton farms. And so it's very agricultural, mm-hmm. but very rural. Um, a lot of rednecks out there. You know, you get the guys in pickup trucks, you know, they go hunting, you know, in the spare time. So this is that kind of place. It's really great. You know, so again, my apologies to my redneck brethren. Um, but what the thing is, but he spoke up there and he had a rally. And there was this uh, by this uh, Scott's outdoor place. And, and the Scott family owns everything. There's like, there's like five new businesses with Scott on them. So they pretty much run this town, right? Uh, so we're up there and they, they had stands, they had like a bleacher thing. And Matt Gates asked for questions. And of course, I put my hand up and pretty much stand up and start walking down in front. And I presented him in person uh, in front of hundreds of people who were videoing and, and the news was there and everything with our bill, our constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. And I want to try and explain it to him or, or at least talk to him later about it, which is what I ended up doing. And Matt Gates takes it and then looks at the crowd and says, well, this is, this is Greg. He, he never lets realism get in the way of a good idea. And ha, 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 ho, 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 he, 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 that was really funny. However, once again, I was right. <laughs> you know, that is the answer. That is the only answer, because unless you stop these people borrowing money, they're going to keep borrowing money. These people are crack addicts and their crack is money. And it's not even their money. It's our money. They are addicted to spending our money. And the only way to stop this, not a balanced budget amendment, because that has an escape clause. It has a couple of them, pandemics, wars, you know, national emergencies. It's got three escape clauses, so it'll never work because you will always have a pandemic, a war, or a national emergency. So you can't use that. The only way to stop them borrowing money is to stop them borrowing money. Now I'm going to write Matt Gates because, you know, he, he knows the national debt's the big problem. He said so in a couple of press conferences yesterday. So then the question becomes, does he think that my crazy idea is so crazy anymore? It's really not. It's really a very logical way out because not only does it get rid of uh, Congress borrowing money, it eliminates inflation. It gets rid of all central banks and the ability of Congress to create a central bank because that bank would be unconstitutional. Well, that gets rid of the Fed. It overrides the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. It stops the government from owning securities, and it's the owning of securities that they use the, to pay for, you know, and I'm not sure exactly how it all works, but they use securities. The government buys securities with money they don't have, so they print money to buy those securities. Well, that printing of money goes into the economy and increases the money supply, and that's what causes inflation. So if you stop Congress borrowing money, you stop forever inflation. Oh, yeah, prices will still go up and down with supply and demand, but they won't go up and down because of inflation. They won't go up and down because the government screwed around money supply. So if you look at it, this is the answer to our economic problems. This is the answer to the national debt, because every year, Treasury bills, notes, bonds mature. And as they mature, Congress is legally bound to pay them off. And they do. And they also have to pay off the interest. And every year, you're going to have fewer and fewer Treasury bonds bills out there because they're not making any more. So every year, the interest is going to go down. So every year, the national debt goes down. And this keeps going until the national debt and the interest on the national debt are completely Gone. Uh, Derek Park, our, our financial guru, figures about 30 or 40 years for that to be completely paid off. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, we it's won't be around to see the end. Well, I don't know. I hope to be around 30 years. 40 years, I don't know about. So I'm, 60, I'm going to be 64 next month. Uh, so y'all have to sing when I'm 64 instead of happy birthday. Okay, this is the one time you get to do that. Anything is better than the nothing that's doing, going on yeah. now. Yeah. If well, you stop... If you if you stop increasing to the debt, yes, mm-hmm. uh, that's a good thing. You have right. you can't be working on the debt, and mm-hmm. at the same time you are increasing the debt. 
Well, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but so it's that which to contribute to it has to stop, and yeah. then it has to be addressed. But it's going to mm-hmm. take a long time, and then mm-hmm. you're going to have to cut things out. I mean, well, the numbers I, too. If you look at the way to this, you look at the revenue. Mm-hmm. That's what you got coming in. So mm-hmm. if what you got coming in mm-hmm. and what you owe is twenty times than what you got coming in, well, mm-hmm. it just ain't going to work. Not in an appreciable yeah. amount of time. You well, have no, to stop which, something. What you've got, like I say, they have to pay off the treasury bills when they mature. They have to. So every time, so the national debt is owned mostly to American citizens who bought treasury bills, bonds, and notes. That's to fund the national debt. That's what they're for. So as those get paid off, which Congress is, is duty-bound to do, otherwise we would default, right, then, uh, then the national, they have the money. To you do know what the national the debt is? $33 trillion. You know what the plus. national debt is? Yeah, it's about $33 trillion. January, and, September the 30th was the end of the fiscal year. Right. Okay, if October of 2022, when they set a budget, they mm-hmm. had $5 billion, and then if September the third, they had spent ten billion dollars. That mm-hmm. five billion goes into the deficit counter, uh, column, which goes to the debt. Right. That's so the deficit is yearly. Yeah, deficit is yearly. Uh, the the amount that they borrow above what uh, what they take in, in revenue. So the revenue is about five trillion dollars. Right. It's the deficit is what they spend. They can borrow, no, maybe no. they don't spend it, but the deficit, no, no, the deficit is what you the deficit spend. Is, uh, no, that's not quite true. The deficit is the difference between how much revenue comes in, $5 trillion roughly, and how much they, they actually spend, usually 6 or $7 trillion. So they're spending $1 to $2 trillion above what they're taking in. That's the deficit. Now, that $1 to $2 trillion per year gets added to the national debt, so it's now up to 33 The deficit is when you spend more than what's budgeted. Well, or, no, it's, it's when you spend more than you have for revenue. That's of the national debt. It's when you spend more than what's budgeted. When you make the budget, you don't know what the revenue is going to be. I mean, it's just like a credit card. You go yeah, out I see what, you, I see you what you're saying. What you're, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, you know, it, it, when once they figure out how much money they have and if they, how much they've spent above that, yeah, that's why they should spend less than they, they think they're going to take and they'll yeah, be all set. That's what Look, the I got budget is all about. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we can go see ahead, this next hour. Uh, let's say, well, well, Bonnie's not here, so we've got the whole next hour, but I've got a bunch of things I want to talk about. So we're going to have some fun uh, in that time. But in the meantime, we've got this. Oh, where'd it go? My computer moved. Let's try that one more time. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Yes, welcome to our very calm and relaxed morning, because there's nothing to talk about, so we're just sitting around here bored. Okay. Well, good morning, Bianchi. It's good to hear you. <laughs> oh, Bianchi just left. Yeah, Bill left. Bianchi left. Everybody's leaving oh. this morning. Maybe it's a hint. <laughs> Glad you're here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie can't make it either. She's got stuff to do, so it's it's it can be a quiet morning. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, no, we've just been been going over the debt, and uh, Bill was talking about uh, Mac Gates and uh, you know, our dear congressman. So it's been it's been an interesting morning so far. So what's God think of all this? It has been an interesting morning, you know, because. Mm. 
what's going on is, you know, and people had speculated about this last year, um, about Trump coming in as a Speaker of the House. No, he's not going to come in as Speaker of the House. Why would he do that when he can be president? The, the only, and I posted this on well, Facebook last night, that the only people who want him to be... After that. What, uh, what's that? I say he can be president after that. We well, can be. No, 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 no. See, I don't, I don't buy this. Here's, here's the problem. If he's speaker, the, first of all, he's not going to be speaker of their house. And if he were speaker of their house, he couldn't do anything because the deep state would gang up on him. They'd love him to be speaker of the house. That would be fabulous. But he's not going to fall into that trap. You know, he wants to be president. He's, he, he, like I say, he's one pissed off hombre, and he's going to go clean house. But he's going to do it the old-fashioned way. He's yep. going to actually win the election. Okay. And so then when he becomes president, things will be very different. Um, but uh, I do not see him as becoming speaker. Why would he become speaker? He's been a CEO all his life. Speaker is not a CEO. You know, speakers at the beck and call of the parties, of, of the members, uh, unless, unless you're Nancy Pelosi and you just, you know, wield unusual, you know, dictatorial cultish power over your party. Uh, but Republicans don't do that. In fact, most of them are Democrats anyway. Um, so, no, I don't see him becoming speaker. But tell me what you, what you think. I didn't say he was going to be speaker. I said he could be because I, that's what people had been talking about trying to do. But, no, I don't think um, it's going to happen in any way that we think, including elections. So, okay. uh, But that's just me. Um, no, 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 it's not just you. No, it's not just you. There's a lot of people that feel exactly the same way. I got Josie telling me every week that Trump's going to come in with a military coup and take over and fix everything. It's like, no, he's not. <laughs> that's not how this country works. So I, I have all kinds of things that I hear. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's going to be by military coup, although I think uh, they'll be on, on standby. But there's, there's just so much stuff that's coming out as far as proof um, that mm-hmm. it will be absolutely impossible to ignore. But, you know, h- however God chooses to do it, he said that Trump is his trumpet and he's going to be back in. So however God chooses to do it, that's, that's, you know, I, I'm just getting popcorn and I'm going to sit back and watch the show. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by what's happening. You know, uh, the first thing, you know, this would have been a big week. Diane Feinstein passed away. Uh, we had, a, we mm-hmm. had a congressman carjacked. You know, we've had uh, yes. McCarthy got kicked out of the speakership. Things are getting interesting out there. Yes. You know, and, and, and so. And we had uh, Disney Princess Castle burned down. You tell me about that. I'm not as familiar with that story. I saw that on a headline a few days ago, you know, that the, uh-huh. the castle in Disney uh, had caught on fire and burnt. So um, the I princess castle. don't care enough. Yeah. Is that what the drag yeah, queens perform in Disneyland or what? Castle. Well, and oh, then the one... right the following, you know, three, three employees got arrested for child sex trafficking. Imagine that. So, <laughs> of course not. Um, Disneyland. That's what, that's, the, that's what Disney's in the business of. You know, they're, they're a poor yes, place, drag queen place, and they support all the left-wing causes. I, I would be surprised if there weren't more people involved in child sex trafficking at Disneyland or World. Oh, there are. There are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there, yeah. You know, all so where's Ashley Moody? Where, where, where's the attorney general? What's it, how come she's, you know, falling down on the job? Um, I, because she's part of the problem. So, oh, okay. you know, we're going to be seeing a, a whole lot of stuff um, coming out. So we're just going to um, wait yeah. and see. Because yeah. God promised, he's been saying for two years, people, two years, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you better repent, you better get mm-hmm. right, because mm-hmm. there's coming a time when he's going to start exposing. Well, here we are. Yep, exactly. 10-4, Wendy. Oh, speaking of which, this is 10-4. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, yeah, I couldn't resist. And, 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 <sighs> are, are we are we ready for the the uh, of the government surveillance system? Well, see, this is what I see too. The government already has a surveillance system. You don't think they don't listen to the show? Of course they do. So I want to welcome the members of the FBI KGB to once again call the show. Be men, <laughs> don't be weenies. You know, two one five three eight three three eight three two. And if you're going to come invade my home, at least give me some warning so I can make coffee. We can talk like civilized people. Okay, so there we go. That's my standard FBI KGB disclaimer. But yeah, the government already surveils us. They're already in the phone calls. Well, They're already, you know, oh, getting know. social media to give them everything. So, so how can they, you know, th- this is going to make them better, but it's not going to change anything, you know. And uh, I'll be curious to see what no, happens. No, it's not. It, it, it's, it's not even about surveillance. It's not about surveillance. It's about checking reactions. This, because you have to remember, the enemy's uh-huh. camp operates on fear, intimidation, and oh, threats. Yeah. Well, they know the and, reactions. You know, you know, the Karens get so out there and wear are, masks and, and they scream at people. And yes, uh, people live in yes. fear and they, they drive with their car windows up with masks on, suffocating themselves, and then cause accidents. They're idiots. So we've got at least one-third of this country yeah, complete well, and total idiots. Well, I'm just saying that this is mm-hmm. not just to test the emergency broadcast system and, and no. any thinking person knows that. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, so my, my, my phone will be in my car when all that happens. I'm not going to even have it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be asleep probably in that time for me, so, you know, I, you know, yeah. I don't care. But yeah. anyway, that, and, and it's at 2.20 Eastern time, people, so, you know, one twenty Central and just whatever your time frame is. Oh, lunch time. You know. Gotcha. Throw it <laughs> outside for, for a while. Yeah. 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 I'll watch um, my phone see so how this explodes. morning. Uh-huh. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, but I want, I wanted to talk about something that God's been putting on my heart about the sin of presumption. Hmm. And because it's akin to pride, when when you presume something that it's okay with God or this this is the way we've always done it, so you just go on presumption that you will continue doing it the way it's always been done. Oh. Um. And, Deep and never inquiring um of the Lord as to what He wants done in this hour. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, that's that what that's what kept Moses out of the promised land. After being raised up and going through all he went through to free the Israelites from Pharaoh mm-hmm. right. and his control and his slavery of them, um, mm-hmm. and having to put up with complaining, whining tinies for forty years. Right, Moses. Which, what are you talking about? We're sitting in the desert for all this time. What the hell? You gotta give us a promised land. What are you doing? I we need the rabbi or something. What's going on, Moses? Okay, fine. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a saying that says, "If you complain, you remain," and that Ooh. is, you know, from watching That's, the Israelites because that is so true. An eleven-day trip took forty years. Wait, 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 because wait, wait, wait. Slow, they did slow nothing down. but complain. Okay, this is critical. All right, so I. Uh, so tell me, yeah, I always wonder what the 40 years is all about. So this is key for me. So, so tell me, 11 days? Well, because, yeah, it should have taken them 11 days to get from where they were in Egypt to the promised land in Canaan. And they were walking, right? Walking. Yeah, they were all walking and they you know, had their cattle and their donkeys and, and their tents and their food supplies and all that kind of stuff. But actually, they didn't even... Uh, have their food supplies because they they left Egypt in such a hurry, um, but they did so, take their household belongings with them, and so, and plundered them on the way out. By the way, um, yeah, huh. got the gold and silver just handed over to them on the way out. 
and God caused them, you know, the Egyptians to do that. So here, here they are out in the middle crossing the desert, um, and it should have taken 11 days. And no, it took 40 years, and God provided them manna from heaven. And he calls manna angels' food. Um, yet they complained. They didn't have to cook it. They didn't have to gather it. All they had to do was step outside, and there was manna for them every morning, miraculously provided. Hmm. Uh, but it was only good for one day at a time. Hmm. And so every day they had this miracle. Well, and then so they got used to the miracle happening. They used to just, you know, got used to walking outside and gathering up what they needed. and Quite eating welfare. It, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, but here they are complaining that yeah. God was providing manna. Well, at least back in Egypt, we had leeks and onions and garlic. Apparently, they weren't a real thing. It, it, it's like like a sweet bread, uh, manna is. And uh, okay. they decided that they should have a, a varied buffet instead of what God was providing for them. It was only supposed to take 11 days. But they complained about absolutely everything. They had... The, the pillar of, of, of smoke by day to lead them. They had a pillar of fire by night to lead them. Nobody today gets to say that. You know, <laughs> they had wonderful miracles happening for them mm. every day, but they complained about absolutely everything. <sighs> so, so this is what happened. So what took, um, what should have so taken like, 11 days? So it's like a Greek family. They complained about everything too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tradition. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah, uh, so yeah. Anyway. Greeks, Italians, um, Jews. They, they, there's not that much difference, actually. It's really kind of funny. Yeah. Well, and and here's the thing. God, over forty years, their clothes never wore out and their shoes never wore out. Okay, so that's a, a little, you're literally a walking miracle. Let's <laughs> a little quick. Let's and a little quick math. Yeah. Grow, grow. Let's yeah. Let's let, let's be optimistic and say they could make ten miles a day, which is which is pretty mm-hmm. optimistic. All right, so so we're talking eleven days. We're talking about one hundred and ten yeah, miles. Yeah, thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So ten miles a day. I mean, with horses and the whole bit. So if they're doing, you know, cattle, the whole. If it, if they make ten miles a day, they're doing well. Uh, we could say less, but just for the sake yeah, of argument, um, it'd be a so miracle. Yeah. So that's one hundred and ten miles. How how far is it from Egypt to Japan? How how far was it? I don't know. I, I I'll have to Google Map that. Yeah, let's do that. I'm serious. This is this is kind of interesting now, because <laughs> it, it, well, it's always interesting to just to compare biblical. Uh, scripture to actual places. I mean, we know these places exist, right? Yeah. So, so yes, did they? they so, so where did they? Where did the Jews escape from? Are we talking about the border of Egypt? Are we talking about the Sinai? Is that where this started? Because because the Middle East is wherever the capital of Egypt was at the time. You know, because Pharaoh well, ruled uh, the entire land. I'm I'm guessing Cairo, but I don't <laughs> know for sure. It could have been Alexandria. Well, I don't know. I wasn't there, but you know, and I'm, I'm I wasn't not there either. A, a geographical time, scholar. <laughs> you know? Okay, but, but you know, but see, these are the questions I have. Let's let's put some realism to this. This is what I do with Josie when she talks about chemtrails. I really so show me the aeronautical engineering plans. Show me show me the blueprints of the airplanes. Show me where the tanks are. <laughs> you know, she hates it when I do that, but it's you know. So let's let's look at a map. Well, let's look at it right now. I wonder if I can do that. Uh, Alexander, yeah, let's go Cairo that. to. I wonder, can I do that on my on my Google Map on my on my phone here. Cairo to I forgot how to do that. Well, let's let's see how far it is. You know, let's go Cairo. Two. <laughs> what if I get, this is probably not going to work? Canaan. Yeah, let's see what comes up. 
No, it gives me my, 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 my GPS is confused. I'm looking at a map. Hang on. <laughs> no, this is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is live radio, folks. This is what we do here, okay? I got a globe. I got a globe right in front of me here. All right, so Cairo, Egypt, Canaan was near what city today? What, 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 what will we call it? Or is it still called Canaan? It's still called Canaan. Okay, fine. So I got Israel. I've got Port Said, Jerusalem, Alexandria. Yeah, it's not that far. Basically, it's across the Sinai Peninsula is, is pretty much it. So yeah. Cairo is very close. So, so the Sinai Peninsula is, is, is about 100 miles across, maybe? Guessing? What do you think? Well, I'm, I, like I said, I, math is not my thing. So yeah, I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me more. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll just look up a map of the, the Sinai Peninsula here. Dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this fun? Well, Speaking of dimensions, ministry. But the, but the point is, while you're working on that, um, Moses <laughs> um, didn't get to go into Canaan. He did not get to go into the promised land after putting up with all those things for 40 years. Um, and this is why. He was angry and frustrated with the people, and we all can certainly understand that. He went and the uh, people were yet again complaining, we don't even have any fresh water. You know, we've been going around desert. and around in, in the desert, and we don't have fresh water. Well, they had come to a, a place and a stopping point, and they needed water. And God, on several occasions previously, had provided water. He would tell Moses, strike a rock, and water, fresh water would come out huh. to feed all those thousands of people. So... <clears throat> That's how it was done. So this time, Moses goes to God. He has had it up to here with all right. the complaining, and it had been a rough day, you know. Um, and he said, these people are complaining that they don't have fresh water again, and started, you know, pouring his heart out to the Lord. So, and the Lord said, Moses, go and speak to the rock. Give huh. the people fresh water. Yeah. So what does Moses do? He presumes that because he struck the rock in the past, that go do that again. But that's not what God said. God said, speak to the rock. But Moses was angry, remember? Right. He was kind of taking out the, the, his frustrations on the rock. <laughs> he knew he couldn't go hit the people. <laughs> you know, we don't hear so he this of Moses. This is, this is very interesting. And you were breaking up, would you say? Oh, no, I said we don't. Well, it's probably because I'm looking at a map of Sinai. We don't hear Moses. Moses, we think, you know, benevolent, wonderful, and made a couple of mistakes, but for the most part, did pretty well. He did great. Lord, I, I, I'd have probably run it and half of them up and shot him myself, but okay. Um, <laughs> but, so he, he comes, and he's angry, and he strikes the rock with his rod again. Now, understand that this, this is a, a holy rod. This is, you know, something that the Lord allowed him to do with, with the rod. Okay. And, um, and so he, out of his anger, um, it, it's, it's safe to say he was, you know, pretty much operating in the flesh and not in the spirit at this time. <laughs> he was letting his anger take over. Uh-oh. And so he struck the rock. Water came out so the people could have fresh water and, and you know, let the animals drink and stuff in themselves. But 
it, he just, it was an act of presumption. Well, God did it this way in the past. I'll just do it this way. Besides, I'm ticked off. So um, hmm. the people got what they needed. But God said, because you disobeyed, because I, you did not do as I instructed you, um, and you used what was holy, uh, you know, you misused what was holy. You know, it, it, you, right. you don't use holy things um, in that manner. Um, and it was like he he just went on presumption. Well, it worked in the past, and besides, I'm pissed. Um, and but that's not what God said. And he huh. and he had even inquired of the Lord. You know, what do you want me to do? God told him, and he didn't do it. He did it his own way. So because of that, um, and I, I know there's much more to this. I'm just giving you the overview. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not allowed to go into the promised land that he had been uh, leading these people to. That should have been an 11-day journey. So Didn't um, anyone strike out on their own and, and say, Moses, I'm going to go ahead and, and just, you know, we'll, I'll report back to you, you know, and just you keep the people moving or whatever's going on. Weren't there any adventurous pioneers? I mean, I can see me doing that. You know, say, hey, Moses. You know, Moses I'm kind of, kind of impatient here. Spies. Oh well, you read the story. Moses sent twelve spies. He chose twelve strong men to go over into Canaan and spy out the land um, to to see what was going to happen. Do, do they need to take the land, or is there going to be a battle necessary? Um, what does the land look like? And you know, is there places to you know, feed the cattle? You know, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, just g- give us a report of the land. Now, understand, God had already told them. I'm giving you this land, yeah. and you will you will go and take the land. There there are people there, but you will route them out, and you will take the land because this is the land I've promised you. And so, what do they do? Twelve guys go in, and they're to bring back their report. So they come back to Moses, and ten of them say, "Oh, we can't do this. We cannot take the land." There's giants in the land, and they we are grasshoppers in their eyes. Caleb and Joshua come back, saying, "Yeah, we can do this." <laughs> they were. They, it took um, two, both of them to carry one um, cluster of grapes. They were that huge and wow. heavy. Huh. This this when he says the land of milk and honey, it was lush pasture it was it was everything god promised them it would be hmm, but there were giants in the land and, and they would have to take it hmm. so because they were giants and the 10 did not believe god god had already said you can take the land joshua and caleb believed them hmm. the 10 came back did not they looked at the giants and said oh we can't do this so those people were not allowed into Canaan either. The ones that so said they couldn't do it? Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, number one, they called God a liar. <laughs> that doesn't go over well. God has already said you can take the land. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, no, we can't. <laughs> Weenie. Don't disagree with God. It doesn't end up well. It so, doesn't, um, no. Anyway. No, yeah. it doesn't. So, uh, so. When Moses was told he cannot go into Canaan, 
he, he, when he was on top of the mountain, he could see into Canaan, but he could not go. So Joshua led the people into the Canaan land. Well, those that were left. Um, it, basically, it was everybody 20 and, un, uh, 20 and under at the time because all the older folk had complained against God so much and disobeyed God so much that he just said, that's it. <laughs> so it was the younger generations that went So that's it. What's on. it? Were they killed? Did they die off? What happened to them? Yeah, God opened up the earth and they swallowed them up. Oh. Um, you know, earthquake came and... So stop they, complaining, you know, people. Stop complaining, man. <laughs> well, now you how complain, does it, you remain, and I don't want to end up in, uh, in a crack in the earth. Exactly. Now, that's fascinating um, because I went through the San Francisco earthquake and did not have any damage or injury or anything like that, which is kind of interesting in itself. Um, because you know my story, right? Well, no, no, it gets yeah. better. Um, I, my story is, and this is, this is what really, you know, uh, vastly increased my belief in God is because I was at Sierra Academy at the time going for a flight instructor certificate. And I lived in San Francisco and I used to cross the, Golden, the, 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 the Oakland Bay Bridge and I took a freeway called the Cypress Structure. Well, the Cypress structure was a double-decker structure that the engineers had all said was going to collapse in an earthquake. And, of course, the, the corrupt politicians did that. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So the upper deck was when you were going yeah, south. Fine, so that's, no that's a, what's that? Yeah, fine. No problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Politicians, ah, that's going to be fine. Yeah, we, we got money. We got paid off for this. You know, we're going to keep it. Okay, fine. So the top part is yeah. when you went south and the bottom part is when you went north. So returning to the city, I'd be under the Cypress structure. Well, normally I'd go home from flight school at 5 o'clock. And the earthquake struck on a Tuesday at 5.04. And 60 people died outright, and hundreds of people were injured, lost limbs, were trapped under there for days. Now, figure this. I was told that morning, don't come to flight school because the plane I was supposed to fly was down for maintenance, and they didn't have another one for me. So just stay home. So what are the chances that on the San Francisco earthquake, the first major one since 1906, on the structure that could have killed me at the time I would have been there, I was told to stay home that day? Right. Hmm. Yeah. So who do you think had a hand in that? Oh, I know who had a hand in that. <laughs> that's what I was, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, yeah, yeah. See, that's, that's uh, that, you know. And then I started, and this is why I, I, I look at, uh, I think, God differently than, than some folks. I mean, I, I think God understands me <laughs> in many ways. It's really kind of interesting. Yes. Something, something happened. We well, look at Action Radio. And what's the one thing we talk about? Don't complain. Do. Yep. You know, we talk about yeah. raising complaining to an art form. Now, here's something that happened just last night. Uh, I'm in the gym, and I put this on, on Facebook. And, and I, I turn on, I was on the elliptical, and I turn on the video, and I'm expecting to get my, my usual, you know, CSI Miami, which is kind of like they've been doing reruns. It's kind of cool. It wasn't on. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> you know, and so I switched channels, and I end up on this, this story channel, and it's, it's got a show on geniuses. I didn't know that, but the section I turned on to was about eccentrics. You think this sounds familiar, okay. Wendy? <laughs> Now, again, what, what are the chances that I go to the gym, the show I normally watch isn't there, you know, and I just happen to find a channel at the exact time when basically my biography is there on the screen of eccentrics. Wow. <laughs> See, this stuff happens all the time to me. This is why I think it's so fascinating. So I go, thanks, God. You know, I made a post on Facebook, you know, and uh, it, it sort of sounds like I'm talking about being a genius. That's not, that was not the point of it. I had, you only have so many words in these things. It's, it's hard to do. But the point is, 
that it talked about geniuses as people that don't care what others say about them, um, that are not crazy at all. They're very sane, but uh, we're somewhere between, you know, madness and, and genius, you know, the eccentrics. And we just do things that and see things in different ways. Like I see action radio and citizen legislation, the clearest path you can possibly imagine. It makes perfect sense to me. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. It's all I know exactly where we're going and what we're doing. That's very eccentric. <laughs> but what was interesting about it, probably yeah. most interesting in, in terms of action radio, is that the one thing that the, the, the doctor, the psychologist who studies this, says that eccentrics you know, really need help. They need to be surrounded by people who believe them, who believe in them, and, and understand what's going on and support what they're doing. And we have built here quite a community of action radio people. So that's no accident either. I could not do what I do without yeah. the support. If I was the only one, say, hey, I want to do a citizen legislature in a radio show, and everyone else said, <laughs> Go pound sand, Greg. <laughs> you know, no. Bill Fecky says, hey, I got this thing called Blog Talk Radio. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's check this out. You know, and I wasn't too, uh, I was kind of curious about internet radio, having, you know, thinking the broadcast, a regular station is the way to go. Well, it turned out it worked out a lot better. You know, you're here. Uh, Jonathan's been here for years. A lot of people have been, Josie's been here since WBY. We have a community of people that believe in what we're doing. That's all the support I need. Right. I don't need the, the fame. I mean, I need the fame to be able to have political impact, but I don't need the fame personally. I don't care. I'm happy now. But isn't that interesting? Yes, it is interesting. <laughs> You've got, you got your own testimony in progress here. No, oh, yeah. You know, God's like, you know, okay. hey, Greg, you're going to watch this now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, God. Appreciate the help. Thanks for the bio. <laughs> you know, and, but this, this yeah. is the kind of but – but my life has been like this for, for quite a while. You know, and I see these things all the time. And I think people – they get so wrapped up in, in what it means to be Christian and, and fulfill the role of being Christian that they miss the miracles every day. That they're into, it, it, I don't know how to describe this. It's, it's kind of a new thought. I haven't really worked it through yet. But they're, they're, they're going through the motions of, of being Christian, and they say they've given their life to Jesus, and they, they believe absolutely. And, and I'm thinking, well, do you see the miracles along the way? Do you notice how much God impacts your life every single day? And it's not big things. It's little things. But yep. that was a big thing, you know, avoiding the cypress structure, avoiding being crushed um, by untold tons, you know, a gazillion tons of concrete that was corrupt, uh, that was horrible, that was badly built. They knew it was badly built. They let it stay up. They knew it was going to collapse in an earthquake, and it did exactly as predicted. To miss that, the one yeah. day to be told to stay home, that's a miracle. It is, and you're exactly right. Like yeah. all those people that were supposed to be at work at on nine eleven, when mm-hmm. things were happening and keeping them, them from going, mm-hmm. or making yeah. it on time, or maybe the car battery died, or or the the traffic was too bad, or or the subway got clogged, or you know, there's a million little things, you know, and yep. uh, yeah, here's here's a bigger one that we've talked about a lot on the show, the the fact that the industrial revolution. Uh, I just had Gregory Wrightstone from the CO2 Coalition. He's confirmed this. Uh, the, the former head of Greenpeace uh, said basically the same thing. We came to this independently on our own here, that the Industrial Revolution, the releasing of carbon dioxide you know, from the earth that had been you know, created, the hydrocarbons created um, by, by mushing all that organic stuff, you know, plankton, algae, all that stuff together over millions of years. Uh, we were at a low point in the mid-1800s in carbon dioxide. We were 30 parts per million away from ending life on earth. It was 108 parts per million, and 150 is, you know, death. That's when the plants die. And so I don't think people realize this, but, you know, you want to talk about just making one little slight thing. It's like God, and this is what we should talk about too. God sets things in motion. 
and, and then kind of we yeah. do it ourselves and think that it, think that we did it. All right. So you look at the internal combustion engine, the steam engine. The one thing they do is they burn organic fuel, not fossil. We don't get it from dinosaur bones. So these are organic fuels, oil, coal, natural gas, uh, wood. These are natural fuels, and they all have a couple things in common. H2O, water vapor, and CO2, carbon dioxide. The carbon, hydrogen, right. and oxygen compounds. And when we burn them and burn the chemical bonds to create the energy that moves the steam trains and the diesel trucks and uh, you know, our automobiles, we're releasing carbon dioxide and water vapor into the atmosphere. Well, that carbon dioxide goes to the plants. So it's no accident that, that the major increase in carbon dioxide did come from human activity. But that's not a bad thing. That's actually right. a good thing. In fact, it saved our butts because without that extra carbon dioxide, we would have been dangerously low or we would have gotten to the point where plants started dying. That's right. God. <laughs> that's God to me. You know, just all of a sudden we discover petroleum. And it saved the whales too because we're using whale oil to, you know, light our buildings and things. So between the light bulb, you know, and the burning of organic fuels, you know, we basically saved the planet uh, and created the Industrial Revolution and brought unparalleled wealth and freedom to, you know, a good chunk of the world. Right. That's good. That's God to me. <laughs> you know, that just that the discovery of, of those things, of the of the, the the engines, the internal combustion engine, the steam engine. And and the fact that organic fuels could could power them. That's all God had to do. So does God limit and say, "Okay, I, I just need to do this. I'll just create the, you know, just put the uh, put the brain out there, put the idea out there that you can burn these things and they will create energy and just see what, you know, just let the rest go." Have I got that right or yeah. have you thought about that? What do you think? Yeah, all the time. I mean, I see all kinds of crazy crap that nobody else is going to be thinking about. Well, this is the place to say the crazy crap. Well, we'll name this the Crazy Crap Show for a while. I don't care. And now, <laughs> a, a moment with Wendy's Crazy Crap. The Crazy Crap Report. <laughs> exactly. We can do that. There's, um, I, I wanted to, if we could, just for a moment, uh, get get back to the presumption thing. Oh, please. Um, I wouldn't with, presume to do otherwise. Foremost. Sorry. <laughs> Um, hmm. I, I, this is kind of like what God's been laying on my heart because he, he's letting me know that what is fixing to happen and how he's going to be doing things is not going to look good. And we are going to be really, really tempted about complaining about everything mm-hmm. because we idolize convenience in this country. Mm-hmm. I think people idolize convenience worldwide. Especially um, lazy. But especially here. They're lazy. Just People would rather take the oh, lazy, lazy path oh. than the interesting. They're lazy. They don't take the interesting path. Uh, am I breaking up? <laughs> no, I'm just saying I couldn't understand what you said. But now oh, I understand lazy. you said lazy. Yeah, um, lazy. they're yeah, lazy. They're, you know, I'd rather be interesting than lazy. I, mean, I have no interest in being lazy. Yeah, people don't uh, want to put a lot of effort into anything anymore. Um, and that that's it's sad because you know you you learn things from putting effort into something, and, mm-hmm. and you you get much Every greater day. reward, you know, in, in, internally as well as externally, you know. So, uh, but anyway, so um, people complain when they don't get exactly what they want when exactly they want it. <laughs> so, and um, well, now I'm impatient. You know me, I'm impatient. I, I wanted you know five million listeners by now. I'm not complaining about it though because I understand. And I have to earn that. Right. But, but, but I'm still impatient. But, but, <laughs> so, so, but I'm not complaining about it. So there's a difference. Right. And there is a difference. You are doing something about it because yeah. you are working to see a result that you already see in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe on, not be on paper right now, but it's going to be, you know. So 
um, you are taking action about it, and that's yeah. the important thing. You're putting forth the effort for it. But mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of presumption um, on everyone's part worldwide that things mm-hmm. are going to continue to to operate the way they always have been. This is just another little inconvenience. No, it's not, people. Don't presume that. You better be asking the Lord what he wants you to do to prepare in your part of the world. Because it's well, coming. This, and This history of making changes. What happened yesterday was historic. It's never happened before. It was historic. That a speaker right. was booted by one member of Congress. You don't think one person can make a difference? Matt Gates made a difference. I've got to talk to him, by the way, too. We need him back on the show. But uh, you don't think one person can make a difference? That one person was joined by eight people. Yes, now, the Democrats did it for different reasons, but it didn't matter. The end result is somebody who was corrupt and disgusting and had no interest in this country and every interest in a, in a, in a deep state government was kicked out of the speakership. That's huge. Right. That's David and Goliath right yeah, there. Huge. Eight versus, uh, you know, the debate and the eight one. Yes. And, and God is going to show himself. Um, and his plan, and it's going to disassemble um, all the junk we've had in place, the evil stuff that's enslaved people forever, and mm-hmm. it, it has to be dismantled. And it is not going to be business as usual, and it is not going to be convenient. So um, yeah. I, I'm just saying, we, I, I'm warning people now, you know, and with all the love I can muster to tell you that it must come down. The bad has to come down for the good to come back in. And that's what you need to keep in mind. And don't presume that everything's going to work the way it always has been because it won't. And if, but, you, if you presume things, it's, it's going to hold you back and it's going to uh, cause a lot more problems. Just, just let God do what he's going to do and just follow his lead. So I'm, I'm begging you, if you don't have a relationship with God that where you can hear him and he hears you, get one. All you have to do is ask. Just get one. But you're going to need it. Go ahead. Yeah, it makes your life uh, infinitely easier and, and uh, a whole lot more interesting and fun. And, and you realize it's not just you. That's probably the best part. And I think from, uh, from right. someone who, who you know, was agnostic at one point, wasn't quite sure, and, you know, I got thrown out of Bible class in school because I asked questions. And I thought, this is religion stuff. It's not for me. <laughs> you know, if they can't answer my questions, I'm not going to, you know, just believe. Believe what? You know, you can answer my questions. I'm like, you know, six years old, right? Uh, no, I was eight years old. Anyway, um, but yeah, so, so, but I see these things. And I, so to me, it's very positive. And I think people are, are open to, I guess they think that faith, you know, means you never see God. You just, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's pretty much religion. Yeah. Have faith, but never see God and just believe what I tell you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's terrible. Right. That's, that's empty. What about the people that, that think they're, you know, think they, they believe in God and have a relationship with God, but they don't see God. They don't look for God. They don't see God in everything that's happening out there. I see this all the time. I see what happened yesterday is God. You know, you, you talk yeah. about the, the plan that's coming. I think, I think the plan's already underway. I think it's been underway all, the, all week uh, and probably before then. But things are already in motion. And it can't – see, when people – when you say presumption, which is probably the most interesting part of that, is, is that you said that people presume things can go on as they had. But quite frankly, they can't go on as they have been going on because the way right. they were going on wasn't working. It wasn't promoting freedom. It wasn't living, you know, as God intended us to live. It wasn't doing anything. It was, it was basically concentrating power in, in the most corrupt, evil, uh, megalomaniac people on the planet. Well, that's not the plan for us. No, it's not. But we have been indoctrinated into it. And, yeah, I, I was talking to somebody I don't do well with that. in the 70s last night. 
What's that? And, uh, yeah, and I said I was talking to somebody who was born in the 70s last night. Huh. They had, they were just clueless about how everything that they had grown up knowing, they don't even know that they're being enslaved. They they just think, well, it's just, it's just what they say, so that's what we do. And it's, no, <laughs> no, people, no. So is there a time, so so I was born, you know, I think we were probably born, I was born in 1959, right? So we're the last of the baby boomers. You don't have to reveal your exact age. That's okay. I'll reveal mine. Um, but there's something about our generation that we just, we, you know, we know how to use a compass and we know how to read a map. Um, you know, we didn't have answering machines, so we had to actually face who was on the phone not knowing who it was. You know, we had to be able right. to change a tire. You know, we had to be able to do things for ourselves. There's a self-sufficiency. Uh, but we also had to go through school. And at that time, school actually, you know, educated. What didn't educate, we were encouraged to learn on our own. And my, my folks, one of the right. few good things they did, they gave me the World Book Encyclopedia when I was uh, eight years old. I said, here, go learn stuff. Great. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I still remember stuff. I can still, you know, remember the feel of the books, the smell of the paper, the whole bit. Okay. So, uh, and that was, that was a long time ago. Um, but the kids don't do that. They don't look for knowledge. There's a time, there's, there's probably a line we can find where people went from independence to dependence. Where they didn't think for themselves, they let the machines do the thinking for them. It's probably the computer age. Right. You know, it's like kids are can be well informed, but they're not. Go ahead. It started in the seventies, hmm. the late seventies. Okay. And um, because I, I, when computers started becoming a thing, and mm-hmm. key punch, you know, uh, machines were being replaced by uh, regular computers and all kinds of stuff, and ticker tape was you know, uh, not used. Now, then, then you had a fax machine. Then you had, it's like all this stuff started happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and we began to rely less and less on our own intelligence uh, and, and skill that you could learn, you know. Now it was just yeah. done for you. But see, our generation, we use the Internet to find out things. Like I was looking up, you know, the, the, the dimensions of the Sinai Peninsula. It's about 100 miles, which is kind of interesting, which would take about 10, 11 days to cross with a whole bunch of people right. and cattle. Right. Now that, so that confirms exactly what you're saying. But the curiosity to do that. Now, the exception, of course, is Brianna, our teenage reporter. I mean, she looks stuff up on, on the show all the time. So she uses yes, technology. She the technology does not use her, which is, which is the difference. That's right. That's right. Hmm. And which is what AI is about, you know. And AI is setting itself up to be God. You know, it, 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 and I am the be-all and end-all, and I will tell you anything you ever want to know. Hmm. We need to do uh, an AI show. You know, what, what, what Scripture said about, you know, this kind of a thing coming. Skynet. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? The movies are always yeah, about 10 well, years ahead. The movies always tell you what the yeah. future is going to be. <laughs> you know, Star Trek told us about flip phones. <laughs> you know, we don't have phasers yet, but, you know, and, and floppy disks. Um, you know, V for Vendetta told us about a government using a, a pandemic to take over control of everything. Yeah. Um, you know, ni- 1984, Animal Farm, you know, Orwell told us all about, uh, you know, psychological operations and control and manipulation. You know, the, well, the Matrix think about it. made us a battery. <laughs> you know, I mean, the movies yeah. are actually really good about uh, predicting history. In fact, they're, they're quite accurate. In fact, it's kind of interesting. But they, they weren't predicting history. They, they were planting I mean, seeds in the populist mind oh. of 
how it will be. It's not, oh, this is a possibility. They're, they're planting the seed of this is how it will be because all of these things that we take in, the mind's a computer, and it just mm-hmm. it, it takes in all this information, and uh-huh. beep, 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 all of a sudden when things start happening, it, there's something in the psyche that says, oh, well, they said it would be this way, so okay. It makes you accept it easier. No, I, I rebel against it even stronger because they knew. They should have known better not to do it. Now, is that a generational but reaction? you aren't the regular populace. Well, you that's know, true. Look I'm eccentric. At all the sheep. <laughs> Eccentrics yeah. of the world unite. You know, yeah, yeah. All the people still wearing masks, like you said, inside the car with the windows rolled up. I mean, this is – they are programmed. So I just – don't even get me started. But anyway. That is the definition of insanity. Them. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Well, I appreciate is. the extra time. Um, I don't know if you have to dash or anything, but, uh, you know. But this has been fascinating. Yeah. So just to brighten yeah, so your day. I... <laughs> when all about is corruption, debauchery, and anarchy. When everyone is losing their way, buried in a mountain of fake news and propaganda. There is a place you can go where beauty and poetry of the mind get to play. Where is that place? Where is that space of wonder and magic? Where else? The Action Radio Arch Report with Wendy Arthur. So those of you who are presuming, you know, get in your pretty space, get in your beauty space, get in your place of wonder and imagination, <laughs> throw off the shackles of, of, of convention and conditioning. And uh, yeah. Hey, speaking of the art project, we got some pretty good stuff there now. It's a really interesting place. We do. Yeah. It, it is an interesting place. It's one of my favorite pages. Yeah. So is that a um, so be interesting to do a little discussion of the spirituality of art because that's almost like a counter to the conditioning. This is the way the world is. We're going to be the matrix. You're going to be a battery. You're going to be plugged into a cell, and some big ugly you know robot with eight arms is going to you know steal your power. However, we've got Da Vinci. You know, we've got uh, you know we've got Beethoven. <laughs> There's really cool people out there that do nice things. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it's almost uh, – here's a weird thought. Do you see art as the, uh, the, the fight against the conditioning, the programming of the mind? The, whereas art and music open the mind, science almost closes the mind. This is the way it is. Art says, well, what about looking at it this way? <laughs> you know, so can we use – here's a thought for you as you do both the art and the Oh My God report, although we haven't heard an art report for a while. Is art and music uh, a way to – uncondition the brain or decondition the brain from a lot of this you know, programming that we're getting because it opens you up to all kinds of new ways of looking at things. Well, art is, it helps the creative side of you, you know, which mm-hmm. is your thinking brain, you know, mm-hmm. um, it just goes to, to create things because um, the way it's programmed now, you don't, they don't want you to think. They just want you to accept and regurgitate what it is they're telling you. Mm-hmm. And creativity can't, can't thrive in that. So the only artists that are being supported is the ones that are supporting the narrative. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, that's not me. I don't see a lot of government support. I haven't gotten a grant. <laughs> you know. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Of course, we're not a, a nonprofit either, uh, and that's something. Have you noticed that the, anything is political? It can't be nonprofit, even though they are. The leftist ones are, like National Public Socialist Radio. But uh, those of us that are that are political, well, not cannot, only that, can, but yeah, the, the nonprofits were used as, as the drop-off points. You know, for, well, not all of them, but uh, uh, several 
very large nonprofit um, who were funded by the Democrat Party uh, were the drop-off points for the illegal vote. So, and that's caught on video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Hmm. Interesting day. Okay. I'm going to take a break here. Well, thank and you. I think uh, let's uh, let you do your thing. And uh, this has been fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so if contact information. Has any input? Yep. Yeah. Anybody has any input or has any questions or just wants to make some comments, then you can get a hold of me on Facebook on Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. Uh, or feel free to comment on anything that's posted on one of the Action Radio pages. <laughs> and we will get the back to many. you. But <laughs> the 25 groups. Well, actually, the gonna, many I, Action I might be knocking out one or two. <laughs> What's that now? Yeah. <laughs> I said the many action radio pages, but yeah. as until I see you next week, bow now and avoid the rush. Absolutely. Thanks, Wendy. Bye. Here is your action radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, WriteYourLaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engines. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. 
which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. And now back to the news. This is what we. This is not what we would call a slow news day. I was kind of joking with Bill earlier uh, about that, but there's a, there's a problem, and the problem I see it is that the the weenie baby butt wipe Republicans. Uh, that's actually a term that came came from my uh, um, my flight instruction book. And I'll, I'll, I don't know if I want to explain the context. You'd have to read the book. Uh, it made sense at the time, but I was I was pretty upset. I was kind of burned out instructor uh, with what I was doing. Anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that now for the the geldings. So the gelding GLP are the weenie baby butt wipes. In other words, they just complain, 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 just like when he was talking about. And so they have, you know, their only reaction to to uh, uh, to Matt Gates and the uh, the other seven folks, you know, voting against uh, the Speaker McCarthy or Kevin McDeepstate, as we call him around here, is to say, oh no, oh this is a terrible thing for the country, oh this is horrible. The the increasing national debt without a debt ceiling was a good thing. Like the fact that, uh, you know, there's been no uh, committee on the stolen election, that uh, they have not defunded anything in the, in the Department of Justice, you know, going after people simply because they're Trump supporters. They haven't defunded the, the, DOJ, the, the D.C. Gulag jail. That thing's still in operation. They haven't defunded all the groups, the NGOs, Catholic charities, Lutheran charities, Baptist charities, the ones that are being paid billions of dollars 
to to take uh, barbarians that are being brought into our country and dropped off in various locations to, uh, as far as Democrats are concerned, start voting and the Republicans be cheap labor. You know, we have an invasion of our country right now. Uh, McCarthy's done nothing, nothing. He purposely you know, held anything like that up. Um, he's had nothing but consuming resolutions and omnibus spending bills after promising not to do that. Um, we've got Ukraine. You know, why are we funding Ukraine? You know, why don't we make uh, them pay the money back? <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't have any more money. You've got to pay it back. You know, I mean, there's so many things that he didn't do uh, or that he did do when he made that illegal deal with Brandon um, on, on, on the budget. You can't do that. Speaker of the House cannot go to the president. You know, that, that's two branches of government, you know, colluding by, by and eliminating the legislative branch, which is the Congress. So he can't do that. So the reason that McCarthy was, was booted was because he broke every promise he made. He did exactly the opposite. He did exactly what we, what we said he would do. He would become a deep state operative. He'd become the next Paul Ryan. He would stop the Republicans from doing anything meaningful. I mean, they've held, a, they've held some hearings, you know, on various people, but they haven't, uh, they haven't uh, subpoenaed anyone and, and, you know, said we want charges brought. You know, they haven't defunded any operation. You know, Merrick Garland hasn't been impeached. Uh, you know, Mayorkas hasn't been impeached. Um, Granholm Energy hasn't been impeached. Buttigieg of Transportation hasn't been impeached. You know, Brandon hasn't been arrested for stealing the, the White House along with uh, Kamala Harris. Nothing's happened. That's why he's out. <laughs> okay? So there's a whole variety of reasons. In fact, I wrote an article, you know, reasons I'm not voting for the Republicans in the next election. Because they don't do anything. They sit there. We've got solutions to every one of their problems. You know, we really do. I mean, and the biggest one is the constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Now, the people I'm recommending for speaker are Jim Jordan and Devin Nunez. Devin Nunez used to be the, the head of the Intelligence Committee. He's the one that uncovered all the stuff on the Russia hoax and the FISA lies and, and, the, and the Trump spying and everything else. He's the one that, that got all that. Okay? He'd be a great speaker. And his name isn't, isn't even being mentioned. Jim Jordan would be another good speaker. Uh, Matt Gates at his press conference mentioned a couple of other people in House leadership. I don't think I want anybody in House leadership. I want someone who's a proven fighter. I want someone who's going to get out there and do what's supposed to be done. Okay? Now, it's interesting that uh, Mark Taylor Green and Lauren Boebert, to what I would think of as America First people, uh, actually supported McCarthy. So let me tell you something about uh, politics that uh, maybe you, you don't know. That the reason so many Republicans, and this, this hasn't been brought out, it's probably too bad. I, I'm glad I, remind, I remembered this. But that the Speaker has enormous power because the Speaker is the one who selects the committee chairs. The committee chairs are where the power is for anybody who's not Speaker. If you're in the committee chair, you get to decide what, what issues to talk about. You get to decide what hearings to hold. You get to decide which bills come up. You get to, you get to have amazing power in your, in your area. They're, they're like little warlords. They're like the warlords of Congress. All right? so, so the big daddy is the speaker or a big mommy <laughs> in the case of Nancy Pelosi. So, so, but the speaker, and, and here's why I talked about, and I mentioned this with Bianchi, is that there shouldn't be parties. We should not have, well, you can have political parties, but, but nobody who, who runs for office or who is in office can belong to a political party. See, you've got to take the politics out of that because who determines who's the speaker? Well, the majority party and the parties vote in lockstep because they know damn well if they don't support the person who's the most popular for speaker, they don't get committee chairs. So all those Republicans, you know, you ask the Republicans, they say, well, they're voting for McCarthy for the good, the good of the country. That's BS. They're voting for McCarthy so they can advance in Congress. They're, they're, they're supporting McCarthy simply the, with the, the hope that McCarthy will make them a committee vice chair or a chair or give them a subcommittee or a full committee, uh, or, or maybe even make them leadership. This is about, this is about kissing McCarthy's butt. <laughs> I think I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to have to mute myself here for a second. Hang on. I'll see if I can do this in time. 
Sorry about that. <laughs> that was a big sneeze, too. All right, anyway. But this is what it's about, okay? And I wish they, you know, somebody, because the news people don't say that. You know, they, they, that's why you listen here. Because we tell you things that they don't. But this is about kissing McCarthy's butt. And the reason they do that is because they want, they want power. They want McCarthy to, to throw them some breadcrumbs and make them committee chairs, subcommittee chairs, leadership positions, or anything like that. That's why they're doing it. And they know damn well that if they don't vote for McCarthy and he, he stays as speaker, they're toast. They will never get a committee chair as long as McCarthy is speaker. And sometimes speakers can stay around for decades. You know? so, you're, so if you were uh, a Democrat who opposed Nancy Pelosi – you know, for all the time that she was a speaker, you would never get a committee chair. You wouldn't even get a vice chair. Your bills would never make it to the floor. There would, there would be an absolute vendetta against you. And she was known for that. You know, so you oppose her, that's it. You're toast. You're, you might as well go do something else because you're not going to get anywhere in Congress. If you're a Democrat and you oppose Pelosi, you're done. Now, McCarthy wasn't quite as bad as that, but he wasn't much better. You know, I mean, in other words, you weren't quite done. So all those people voted for McCarthy because they didn't want the retaliation from McCarthy if he actually stayed a speaker. That's why they did it. Marcos, does that make sense over there in the Netherlands? Let's see what he has to say about this. So let's get a couple of rants from different people. You've heard my rant, but that's my rant, is that they did it to save their sorry asses. They're weenie baby butt wipes. That's all they are, weenie baby butt wipes. That's my, my new term I'm borrowing from a, a previous term, you know, to describe the Republican geldings. Because geldings apparently isn't strong enough. Anyway, here's an America First report from J.D. Rucker, one of my favorite uh, authors, who says a short rant against those in conservative media attacking Matt Gates. Yeah, everybody in the media last night, not only were the, the Republican sycophants, the deep state all lining up, but all the media was lining up, too. Oh, Matt Gates made a mistake. Oh, this is a terrible thing for America. Oh, what are we going to do? Matt Gates is doing this for his own power. He's doing this because he wants to be speaker. He's doing this because of his ego. No, he's doing it because McCarthy sucks. That's why he did it. Here's what the article says. October 3rd, 2023. So this would right before 10-4. 10 <laughs> This is, yeah, written a couple of days ago. Says, Here's my short take. This is J.D. Rucker. Here's my short take uh, on the attacks against Matt Gates from conservative media. He says, that if there's one silver, silver lining that has come from this conflict, it's that we're, we're seeing who is conservative, who, oh, I can move this, my computer screen over. <clears throat> Sorry, brighten it up a little bit. Again, reading is not my specialty. If there's one silver lining that has come from this conflict, it's that we're seeing who in conservative media are fighting 100% for the American people and which ones, only, uh, which ones are only conservative when it's convenient. That is true. Nothing Matt Gates has been saying is wrong. That's true, too. I'm disappointed in his conservative media detractors, some of whom are people that I fully expected to back him. That's interesting also. Uh, he says, can any of them make a case for omnibus over individual spending bills? In other words, the, the, well, the lawful appropriations bills, the, the 13 appropriations bills, that's, that's what, that's, well, it's not in, in federal law, but it's certainly in, in the rules of Congress that they come up with appropriations bills. And uh, the whole, and, and uh, Catholic deep state sending everybody home for six weeks meant that they would never have time for those appropriations bills. That's why he did it. That's what makes him, you know, an economic trader as well as, I believe, a national trader. Time to go, McCarthy. <laughs> Deep state. Yeah, six weeks of vacation right before a budget crisis. Oh, brilliant. Nice move. And what's the first thing the new, the temporary speaker does? Sends everybody home for a few more days. Well, let's think about this for a while. So what are they going to do during those days? Well, they're going to call up all the, they call up those eight and tell them to, to renominate McCarthy. That's what they're going to do. So this is, this, is a, this is a lobbying effort. The reason they're taking this break is not because Congress needs a break. They just had six weeks, right? So this is a break to, to, to arm twist behind the scenes 
you know, enough votes to get McCarthy back in as speaker. That's what this is about. Even though he says he's not running, don't believe anything. You know, he would take, he said, well, I'm not really running for speaker, but if you insist, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, of course he will. Because it's power. That's what it's all about in Washington. It's power, right? That's the currency. That's the stock and trade. That's what, that's what wakes him up in the morning. That's what makes him happy. Power. Article says, can any of them make a case for, oh yeah, I said that. Can any of them claim McCarthy has stuck to the terms of the deal that he agreed to in order to become speaker? <laughs> no. is when he would say, no. Anyway, can any of them say it's a total coincidence that the ethics complaint long shelved popped up back now? That's against Matt Gates. Yeah, how about that? All of a sudden, Matt Gates try, you know, votes to, to remove the speaker, and all of a sudden, his ethics violation is back. Oh, how convenient. Then it says, can any of them, uh, can any of them justify pulling Ukraine funding in the con- continuing resolution only to work a deal for continued aid in the shadows with Chuck Schumer? <gasps> I don't know much about that deal. Someone might have to call and tell me about that. Then it said, is dirty politics being played by both sides, but for whatever reason, the status quo filth is getting a pass from so many of these, quote, conservative commentators while they lambaste Gates and his allies for being scrappy for the sake of the nation. He says, I like Mark Levin, Newt Gingrich, and Mike Huckabee, but they and others are wrong to be propping up Ukraine first rhino, Kevin McCarthy, or as we affectionately know him here, Kevin McDeepstate. Okay, fine. Yeah, so Marco's missing some of our... Marco, listen on the podcast. You'll catch it all then. So I got my short rant. I did that. There's an article I haven't either read it way back when or it's a little bit ago, but I find this interesting too. Same guy. No, this is Alex Berenson. Alex Berenson, former New York Times writer until they fired him for being good. This was August 25th. So I have this one hanging around for a little bit. A little bit. He says, on the coming radicalism of Donald J. Trump, he says the indictments have fueled him. Yeah, that's what I call him one pissed off hombre. It's kind of the same thing, right? He says if he wins in 2024, his second presidency, well, actually his third, uh, will marry that personal fury with a conservative attack on the administrative state to remake the government radically. See, this is why I like reading J.D. Rucker, because either he agrees with me or I agree with him. It's kind of mutual that uh, he's saying exactly what I'm saying. So, of course, I, I favor his articles, right? But that's what I, that I think Trump's going to do. Trump is, is the one person who has the determination, who can actually make decisions. And he's proven that in the first term. Uh, and he's pissed. He is so pissed. He hates these, uh, the, the having to appear before these stupid, radical leftist Marxist judges. He hates having to do that. He's got better things. He's got a campaign to run, right? So yes, these ridiculous court cases for judges that are smiling for the pictures. Ha, ta, ha look at me. I'm, on, I'm a judge. Oh, boy. Right? Saw the pictures yesterday. Uh, but it, it's fascinating that that's what's going on. All right. <sighs> Back to the article. Donald Trump has felt the boot of the government on his neck, and he is angry. That's, that's, a, that's an image of Nazism, by the way, the boot on the neck. He says that he is angry. Conventional wisdom about Trump's first term is that for all his bluster, he governed as a fairly standard conservative. And, as it sometimes is, the conventional wisdom is correct. Whatever Trump's radical impulses might have been, the bureaucracy and his own limitations kept them in check through 2020. See, I see that as a mistake, not a virtue. Trump, back to the article, cut taxes, appointed conservative Supreme Court judges, not justices, sorry, and allowed the government to continue to grow. He made noise about NATO, but ultimately took no action. He hardened the southern border, but, re- but remained far from closing it. Well, that, that's, that's different. You can't really say that. Uh, the money was denied. He had to do a lawsuit to get the money to build it. So, yeah, that, and he said he was three weeks away from finishing it. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about all that. Anyway, then he says when COVID arrived, he deferred to public health experts 
and did not fight lockdowns or mask mandates. Yeah, that's his biggest fault. I'll tell you right now. That is Trump's biggest mistake. Uh, and what people forget is the, the pandemic playbook. So Obama already had instructions for what to do in a pandemic. Gee, where'd those come from? Oh, I don't know. Dr. Fascist? Yeah, of course they did. So Dr. Fascist is still, you know, hanging in, out in government. So Obama takes Dr. Fascist's playbook, gives it to Dr. Fascist, says, here you go. Here's your COVID playbook. And they give it to Trump. But Trump rejected it, of course. I'm not going to go by this. So Dr. Fascist gets the Obama playbook for how to handle COVID. And, of course, that includes lockdowns, masks, mandates, vaccines, all this other crap. Everything to destroy this country. That's what COVID was all about, destroying the country and stealing the elections. That's what COVID was about. Because, yeah, was it a, a real virus? Oh, it absolutely was a real virus. I had it. Was it fatal? No, not to most of us, not to 99.9 something percent of us. It was, a, you know, a, an irritation, a couple of day delay, it was a couple of days of being sick. Okay, well, that happens. You know, viruses are out there, even man-made ones. But what Trump did, there's no excuse for it. He totally botched it. More people died on ventilators and hospitals than anything else. He, he really, and they say, well, he's not really made, you know, to uh, uh, own up to his mistakes. That's not, how, that's not how he's built. Well, I don't give a damn about that. He has got to say something. Say, look, I screwed up. I goofed. I never should have let Dr. Fascist do anything. I never should have turned this over to the health Nazis. You know, he's not going to use those words. I use those words. You know, I never should have, uh, uh, I should have listened to Dr. Zelenko, to Peter Navarro, to Scott Atlas. You know, so all the other doctors that said that, COVID, that uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin worked because they did, that's what he should have said. You know, and uh, my article, uh, The Cure for COVID was Freedom. It's right there on my substack, gregpangles.substack.com. The cure for COVID was always freedom, particularly freedom of information. If we had the freedom of information, COVID would have been done in a few months because everybody would have known that hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin plus vitamin D3, vitamin C, and zinc kill COVID. And if everybody knew that, they would have taken it. Hydroxychloroquine tablets were 20 cents. You know, you combine that with, you go, yeah. So, so we do like a jelly. Oh, you got some uh, hydroxychloroquine, right? And then uh, you got some zinc, and you got some uh, vitamin D, some vitamin C, and uh, you know, maybe some azithromycin if you think you're going to get the pneumonia. So you put them together, right? It costs you about uh, 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, so 20 bucks. You cure COVID, it's about 20 bucks. So, yeah, the cure for COVID was about 20 bucks. Figure the ivermectin, the vitamin D3, the vitamin C, and the zinc's about 20 bucks. Uh, for a week's supply of those, you know, or maybe maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But anyway, so I'm just a rough figure. So 20 bucks. How much did they spend on, on one dose of remdesivir? 3,200. <laughs> okay. So remdesivir, which killed people because it destroyed their kidneys, caused them to go on ventilators, which destroyed their lungs, <laughs> and basically killed people, including my webmaster, you know, Eric Colley, my my wonderful friend, who was killed by a hospital ventilator, tortured to death as they tortured millions of people, you know, around the world with these things. Trump has to, has to uh, he's got to straighten that out. He's got to say something. And so it remains to see whether he actually will, but that's what I think he should do. Okay, back to the article. I have no idea where I was. Okay, then. This is Trump talking about his record. Cut taxes, appointed conservative Supreme Court justices, which are actually judges, and allowed the government. I think I read all that. Here we go. Trump spoke like a populist, but he governed in the post-World War II, post-New Deal American tradition, which assumed the world is an unruly place and only a strong America headed by a large federal government can lead it. Yeah, that's not true. That's not a true assumption. The world is an unruly place, but it's not our business. <laughs> you know, our business is to advance America. Every country's interest is advancing their own country. Uh, we're not the world's policemen. We're not the world's bank account. You know, we're not the world's anything. In fact, if we want to save the world, the first thing we should do is get rid of the UN, get out of NATO, um, 
you know, stop the, the, the these big partnerships and other things and hemispherical governments just and, and tell the European Union to pound sand. We don't need them either. That's what we should do. All right. Then, then Rucker says, whether or not you agree with that view, all of us should recognize that it had been the consensus for three generations now. Yeah, it's probably with older leaders like Trump. This is, but the consensus is breaking, especially on the right. Oh, here we go. The populist right is furious at government support for the left's increasingly overt cultural intrusions. That's very true. Further, it sees no financial benefit either from the neoliberalism that was the left's playbook before 2008, in other words, the crash, or the climate change-driven anti-growth policies that the left has uh, has peddled since. The populist left promises that it has learned its neoliberalism lesson and will split the pie more fairly for the working class. It it misunderstands that the populist right wants a bigger pie first. Yeah, see, that's the thing. So the left thinks that the pie is uh, the economic pie is set. It's only so big. So all you can do is, uh, you know, is is make the slices go different directions. That's not true. So the whole idea of economic growth is that you make the pie bigger. That's what it's all about. So then the same slice actually is bigger because the pie is bigger. So so that's uh, another time. Anyway, so then he says these currents are not new, but before Donald Trump, the Republican Party had largely suborned them uh, for a generation. The elite right. The Washington right, in other words, what I call the nation of government, all right? I have an article on that. It's titled The Nation of Government. He says, was content to nibble at the fringes of the administrative state while launching two wars in Iraq, the second monumentally stupid and destructive, and failing to navigate its way out of Afghanistan. Yeah, those wars were only for one reason, to make the military-industrial complex, the bankers and the weapons contractors, and all the different people involved rich, and to give the generals more power and more weapons. That's what it was for. Those wars were not because of national security, because I don't see Iraq or Afghanistan, um, you know, packing up their, their ships and tanks and planes and coming over and attacking us. I don't think it's going to happen. OK, so unless they're going to do that, unless they're going to send missiles to us, you know, ships to us, planes and, and people to invade our shores, they're not a threat. Oh, terrorism. Yeah, it's a threat, too. But that's that's more of a law enforcement thing. Yeah. If you have a terrorist in the country, shoot them. You know, if they're, they're walking with a bomb over to a building, you know, yeah, anyway. But you deal with them. You can deal with terrorists. We've got a whole security state watching every American. The least they can do is watch the terrorists. So that's not an issue either. He says it was the failure of the second Iraq war that paved the way for Donald Trump. That's interesting. Yeah, the first war was George Bush, the elder, who, who wanted to, uh, you know, get back into the globalist idea that we always have to be at war somewhere so that everybody else makes money, so that he and all his buddies can make money. That's what the first war was about. The second war, George Bush, the younger, was about proving that uh, he's tougher than daddy. That was a war for George Bush, George W. Bush's ego. And it's the only reason for that war. There were no weapons of mass destruction. There was no reason to do it. You know, was Saddam Hussein a bad person? Oh, yeah, there are lots of bad people out there. The theocracy in Iran, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, you know, Putin, uh, the heads of various communist countries around the world. There's lots of, of, of bad people out there, but we don't go to war with them all. It's not our business. Our business is to help the people and try and create a, a, a more free society and remove the government corruption. We can show them a better way, but you can't force a better way. That's the difference. All right. Back to the article. It was a failure of the second Iraq war that paved the way for Donald Trump, radicalizing the Republican base in a slower, but arguably even more profound way than the failure of Vietnam radicalized the Democrat base. That's interesting. So Trump won the Republican nomination and then he beat Hillary Clinton, the ultimate neoliberal. Yeah, she's just a warmonger, even though all the good people who thought all the right uh, thinks, including the entire media, were with her. 
I was horrified at the thought of a Hillary presidency, scared to death of one because, you know, she doesn't have any limits. She has no conscience, no soul, no restrictions. She would impose a dictatorship and, and tell herself that it's the right thing to do and convince people, oh, well, this is for your good. This is the public good. I'm only interested in the public good. I'm only doing this to, to have a more just society so we can more, be more equitable as you walk into the gulag and all your possessions are stolen and given to illegal alien barbarians. Then he says, but for all his bluster, Trump did not really know what to do with his power. That's a very profound statement. I agree. He did a lot of good things, but they were mostly nuts and bolts operations. You know, uh, making NATO pay, um, building the wall. He didn't profoundly change government. And this one needs to do this time. He needs to profoundly change government by firing two-thirds of it, at least. I'd say everybody over 30 in the federal government needs to go. Because if they've been there and they're over 30, they're probably corrupt. If they're under 30, yeah, we can retrain them. But Trump did not really know what to do with his power. I agree. Because he, he appointed a cabinet, but he didn't supervise those below. And so all the minions, all the apparatchiks, all the leftists that were below cabinet level, and they weren't, they weren't supervising either, were doing everything they did in the Obama administration uh, and opposed Trump as opposed to in doing it in favor of Obama. So basically we had an Obama bureaucracy with a Trump presidency. Well, that's not going to work. Anyway, he says he governs by instinct, but he is sloppy and intemperate, easily distracted, and not all that smart. Mm, I think he's very smart. I just don't think he's uh, intelligent about government. He spent too much time in private industry. It's another reason you want to hold at least a governorship before you become president. But in Trump's case, I was willing to make an exception. All right. He says he enjoyed the trappings of the office and the world's attention, but, what's in tr- but when entrenched and powerful interests confronted him, he backed off. You see, that was a mistake. It is no accident that the most impressive individual decision he made as president was the killing of Iran Revolutionary Guards General uh, Qasim Soleimani, an impulse choice that the military carried out quickly before anyone could frighten him or convince him otherwise. Oh, that's interesting. The most impressive individual decision. Yeah, what about al-Baghdadi? He had him killed too. So that's what the best thing the military can do is that if you, if you have a, a huge problem and it can center, you can center that problem on one person and you kill that one person, I'm not saying killing is right, but sometimes if it saves millions of lives, yeah, maybe not such a bad idea, right? So killing one person as opposed to bombing entire villages or holding a war for 20 years, starving everybody. Iraq is not better off because we had two wars there. It's not. It's worse off. Never should have been there. Now, if we want to help people, you know, uh, either unelect or remove Saddam Hussein, you know, that's up to individual groups and people if they want to do that. It shouldn't be government policy, though. All right. Then he says, but 2023 is not 2016 or even 2020. He says, the elite right is ready to launch a full-on attack on the administrative state, for it has seen that Democrats are ready to use the levers of unelected government in unprecedented ways. And I'm going to include Brandon in that as unelected government. So the elite right, I guess guess that's me. (laughs) We'll see. I'm already launching a full-on attack. I just need a lot more listeners and a lot more people sending bills. And we already have a blueprint for a free nation in all our bills. That's 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 what we do here. Then it says the Biden administration tried to use the COVID emergency. I shouldn't say Biden administration. My apologies. The Brandon insurrection tried to use the COVID emergency to wipe out hundreds of billions of dollars in student debt as a gift to their supporters, or as I call it, graduate student welfare. Even more strikingly, it used the Centers for Disease Control, that would be the CDC, to keep property owners from exercising their rights and evicting tenants. Yeah, that was illegal, too. And, of course, it sued OSHA to force companies to enforce its obscene messenger RNA jab mandates. That was illegal, too. So you cannot expect an illegal government to operate legally because they're already an illegal government. Once you've broken the law to steal the White House, 
then it doesn't matter what you do because you know you don't care because you've already broken the law to take the White House. So breaking the law further, that's like uh, that's like a bank robber getting a parking ticket. That you know the, the kind of thing that the government, uh, the the illegal administration doing now. That's about what it's like. So the, the the bank robbery was stealing the White House. The parking ticket is all these little policies. So they don't care about the parking ticket because they already robbed the bank. Okay, they don't care about the little illegalities they do because they already stole the White House. They stole the entire government. So they don't care. You need to understand that if you want to understand what's going on. Then it says uh, Donald Trump too has seen for himself the way the public health mandates and the press used COVID to manipulate him and the United States. No kidding. <clears throat> if I were advising him, it wouldn't have happened. But then again, he might not have taken my advice. I probably would have said very similar things to what Peter Navarro and Scott Atlas were saying. If you don't remember those folks, then go back and look at the history books. <sighs> it says, and not just on a policy level, nor just from the lockdown or mask or school closing or testing policies he was forced to accept. Well, he wasn't forced to accept those. It says, Trump, he says of Trump, he saw it personally. He lived through COVID, beating it back in a few days, and he told the world not to be too afraid. For this bravery, the left pilloried him. Yeah, well, he should have stuck with Dr. Zelenko. If he stuck with Dr. Zelenko, Dr. Atlas, and then the, on, the honest doctors, the real doctors, the ones who had the cure for COVID instead of the vaccine you know, uh, mafia, then he would have been fine, but he didn't do that. He, he basically went with the enemy as opposed to uh, the right folks. All right. Then it says, and not just at the policy level, not just from the lockdowns. All right, there we go. Then it says, now Trump has felt the government's power for himself. Oh, there we go. That's interesting. In the most direct and painful way of all, in a way that few people of his wealth ever do. Yeah, that's interesting. The, lo- the, the Leviathan has come for him to take his freedom for espionage or murder or treason or rape. No. For the crime of contesting an election and insisting that he would not accept its results. Well, just the results are wrong. Nobody with a brain accepts them. Democrats accept them because they got what they wanted. They got a stolen election. They knew that Brandon couldn't be Trump. Everybody knows that Brandon couldn't be Trump. That's not a secret. And why the Republican gelding, you know, uh, weenie baby butt wipes don't bring that out is, is something I find quite fascinating. Everybody knows that Brandon couldn't be Trump. Everybody knows that. That's why they stole the election. And you know they stole the election because of these elaborate plans. I mean, there's, you know, the, they just found out uh, the John Eastman trial. I was reading uh, Gateway Pundit. Another 150,000 stolen votes have been found. Well, Brandon's only winning these states by like 10, 15,000 votes. You know, they get just enough to get over the line. Oh, you know, because they don't want to risk too much. They don't want to make it obvious, right, that they're still in the election. So they have them win by just a little tiny amount. Oh, you still know it's stolen. Everybody knows. Every, the left knows that Brandon could never be Trump. They know that. That's why they sold the election. Huh. Given that Trump appears to have a solid shot at winning the next election, that's interesting, he is running now neck and neck with the, the apparition known as Joseph Biden. The apparition. This term of events has infuriated him and his supporters. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Well, let me give a comeback to this. I missed him one second. He says, the, the Leviathan has come for him, not to take, to, to take his freedom. For, you know, is this for espionage or murder or treason or rape? No. For the crime of contesting an election and insisting that he would not accept its results. Though he, well, the results are the problem, but the results aren't really the results. See, that's, that's, the, that's the flaw in all this reasoning. You know, they said, well, you're trying to overturn the election. You don't accept the election results. Well, that's because we don't accept the election. <laughs> you know, it goes back further. And that, that was, there's a difference. They're saying, well, there was, you have to accept the results. Well, the results are flawed. The results are the problem. I don't have to accept the results. I don't have to accept the election. I don't have to accept anything about this because it's all a bunch of uh, crime. Right? Then it says, though he did indeed accept the, its results after the foolish riot 
he encouraged on January 6th. Okay, that's where you're wrong. He did not encourage a riot. What he encouraged, what everybody encouraged, who was a Trump supporter and anybody in all this here at Action Radio, the thing we encouraged was that we wanted to see Congress challenge the states that had two slates of electors. How many times do I have to say that? January 6th, Trump supporters went to Congress to make sure that that challenge happened. And the left used them to provide exactly the opposite result, to prevent that challenge from happening. That's the coup. That's the brilliance of the coup. They're very intelligent. They did a terrible thing extremely well. The coup is taking Trump supporters, getting them into the Capitol building, saying that they are the insurrection, when the real insurrection was denying the challenge so that nobody could challenge the Brandon and Trump electors from the battleground states, starting with Arizona. That's how it works. Article says, given that Trump appears to have a solid shot at winning, I think I already read that, uh, winning the election, he is running now neck and neck with, his appar- with the apparition known as Joe Biden, because Joe Biden's not really there anymore. Joe Biden, you know, the, 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 the frail old man that's walking around is, is not the former Joe Biden. It's a frail old man. This is this turn of events has infuriated him and his supporters. Meanwhile, the elite right has staked its ground. Last month, the New York Times explained, what's the elite right? Trump and allies forged plans to increase presidential power in 2025. Oh, yeah, right. It says the former president and his backers aim to strengthen the power of the White House and limit the independence of federal agencies. Well, that'd be a good thing. See, federal agencies are not supposed to be independent. They're supposed to follow the law. They're supposed to create regulations under law. They're not supposed to be independent. There's nothing independent about, fed, independent about federal agencies. They're under the executive, and the executive is overseen by Congress. So J.D. Rucker gets it wrong occasionally. That was one of them. Then this is what was stunning about the article was that the Republicans quoted in it did not hide their plans to attack the underpinnings of the modern domestic federal government, the agencies that operate mostly independently of the White House. See, that's the problem. They're under the White House, but they operate independently of the White House. That's why you shut them down and you fire everybody. Then it says, why didn't they hide their radicalism? Because they want a mandate if Trump wins. They don't want Congress to say that Trump didn't explain his goals ahead of time. I'm not sure people really follow all that. And it says, now, again, one can agree or disagree with the wisdom of these ideas. As one person emailed me, if you're a Republican, making agencies and the Justice Department creatures of the White House is a wonderful idea as long as you plan to win every presidential election for eternity. Yeah, and I've always said that. You know, when people say, well, we need Trump to ride in with the military and take over and fix things. Well, that's a military dictatorship. Well, what if Brandon was riding in with the military or Obama was riding back in saying, ah, for the good of the country, I'm bringing the military and I'm taking over. For the good of the country, I'm taking over. Yeah, no, I don't think so. So you got to be consistent. Then it says, but make no mistake, if Trump wins in 2024, which he will, I believe, he will take no prisoners in 2025. Neither will his appointees. Yeah. See, that's the thing that is most intriguing to me. That's the big deal. When Trump wins, not only who is he going to appoint to the cabinet, but who's going to be running all the departments all the way down? See, Trump knows that, see, in the corporate world, you appoint your vice presidents, and the vice presidents, you know, follow your policy all the way down the chain. That's management, right? Vice presidents to district managers, district managers to managers, general managers, general managers to supervisors, supervisors to workers. That's the general hierarchy of a corporation. But in government, it doesn't work that way. Right. So you've got cabinet, you've got the president, then you've got the cabinet people. Well, are they following the president or not? Are they creating their own little kingdoms as J. Edgar Hoover did with the FBI? Right. So then you've got the, the department heads, you know, so you've got the, 
the, the department, Department of Justice, that's headed by the Attorney General. But then you've got these different branches of it, the FBI, uh, the DEA, the ATF, all of which we could get rid of, actually. <laughs> you know, but they're all run by people. You know, it's like uh, NAIAD, the thing that Dr. Fascist runs. That's part of uh, uh, NIH, which is the National Institute for Health, which is part of uh, Health and Human Services, which has a cabinet position. Going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see who Trump appoints. He's going to have to appoint some real kick-butt people. And they're going to have to have people below them that they can trust and people below them, below them they can trust. And basically have to kick out all the leftists from government. That's going to be the trick kicking the leftists out and have, have America first people replace basically the entire executive branch. We does have some of the judges replaced too. Then it says, lastly, we're almost done. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Bianca Von Craig. We're going to talk progressive stuff. He says, the Fe- he says, but make no mistake. If Trump- All right, right, there we go. The federal government will likely look and act very different. It will be smaller and more politicized. That's good. Well, politicized, well, let's see about politicized, but smaller is good. And do not be surprised if Trump turns foreign policy upside down. Well, I'm hoping he does. Everything, including pulling out of NATO. There you go. Ending all support for Ukraine. There you go. We'll be on the table. Yes, he needs to do that. Remove the UN. Move him to Switzerland, New Geneva, or Brussels. Everybody else is in Brussels. So you move the UN to Brussels with the European Union. You get out of NATO. Uh, you end all support for any foreign war. That isn't a direct threat to the United States. And say, hey, you know, we'll support you, sort of, but, you know, moral support. But we're not going to fund the war for you. Then this is all the people who have hated Trump since 2016 will figure this out if they haven't already. The stakes are high, which means that the 2024 election is likely to make the last two look like pillow fights, especially if Trump and Biden are still a coin flip a year from now. Okay, so, so everything you hear about Biden is I don't believe is true. And then it says, it will be the angriest political cycle since 1968. Can't wait. Then it says, and 1968 was a very bad year for the United States. Yeah, it was a bad year. But 2024, I don't believe it's going to be a bad year. Uh, uh, Hopefully political assassinations will not be part of it, like it was for uh, Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King. Hopefully. We shall see. It's going to be, uh, hang on, folks, as, as, uh, what was it, Betty Davis said uh, in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Hang on, everybody. It's going to be a bumpy night. Anyway. I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, 
this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grave Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. So I still don't have uh, Bianca's uh, theme yet, although I have picked the music out, so we're going to get there. But I just thought I'd play America the Beautiful. Uh, we did this once before earlier in the show. And this is my, my time to, uh, you know, get philosophical. Because we have a very uh, interesting country. We are in incredible times right now. We're in a transition. And I think we're going to be just fine. I mean, the country's going to hold together. The country survives the personalities. It survives all the craziness and all the things that, uh, that are going on. But I think one of the most interesting things... This is why I like having uh, Bianca von Krieg on the show, is that we can take two people who disagree on pretty much everything 
and have a really great time talking. I mean, she's rapidly becoming one of my favorite people. Uh, and so this is, this, this is America. This is probably one of the, the purest expressions of America uh, is the fact that uh, we get along and we can talk. And it doesn't matter that we disagree. And what it really comes down to is do you love your country? Do you want the best for the people in it? Uh, and then if the only, and the only real disagreement is how we get there. And so I think that's kind of fascinating. Anyway, Bianca, good morning. How you doing? Hi, Greg. Good to be back. We've got some good headlines for you today. Let's just start off with the first one. Oh, please Mayor do. Breed's po- <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Breed's pod life breed ducks. She's back again. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, President Biden. Uh, <laughs> you made that joke? Is that about her breeding? Mayor oh, Breed is breeding. I don't, I don't know. No, sorry. Her junk okay, might fine. be old. Uh, <laughs> President Bi- Biden... <laughs> I got a lot of bees in this one. President Biden bogarts Bay Area boys in blue. Criminals of San Francisco told, hey, just be cool. Hateful flower power. Homo hotheads in the Castro tell homeless, make funds, not love. No bomb for you. The Uniparty told to talk to the hand over backdoor funding of the financial Vietnam that is Ukraine. And Diane Feinstein has the last word as she gives the finger to environmentalists. The Prince of Darkness is said to have responded, sucks to be you, dude. All this and more on the, from the West Coast. <laughs> uh, this is the Progressive Report, and I am Bianca Von Krieg. That's fabulous. I, I, you're the only one that does that, that has a whole summary of these things. I, I started to write them down. I thought, you know what? I, you've already gotten them written down. Let's just take them one by one. I'll send and, it to you. And, and, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll, you know, I write it out. Well, you can. Night. No, but oh. you've got it right there. I, I can, I'm pretty spontaneous. You know? yeah. I'm, I'm good at the instant reaction. So uh, uh, most of the articles I read on the air, I don't read in advance just because it's more spontaneous and more fun. And I'll go, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, anyway. So, so, so what was but, the first one? Let's, let's, let's just take them in order. The first one is, remember the pod life story we reported on last yes. time? Oh, my God. Those things okay, are horrible. Not, not you think tiny houses three, are tiny? These things are like tiny. Three tiny hours houses. after it aired, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> uh, the Dep- San Francisco's Department of Building Inspection launched an investigation into the, the developer of the pods. Um, as to determine its habitability and livability. So uh-huh. something happened there. So people are Well, who designed these things? Do you, was it a manufacturer? Are these domestically made? Are they, are they foreign imports? Uh, where, where do they come from? Yeah, there's a, yeah, that's a good question. There's a couple of things going on. There's a, the, the manufa- it's bought from a manufacturer, and then this, uh, this landlord has somehow warehoused them into this, like, apartment building that he owns uh, it's i think it's one of these um older downtown buildings that have just been hollowed out and mm-hmm. uh there's been some common facilities engineer and then there's just i don't know probably bears a look down there to see what's actually going on but the thing is is that um these pods <laughs> lack even the, the basic luxuries that one is afforded to even in prison in, in the forms of a window and um, a toilet and a sink yeah, do they have running water? There's enough room for a twin bed. No, I mean, not in, not in the pod itself. You have to go to, like, down the hall to the bathroom or something like that. So are these pods in so, buildings, or are they separate things on the street by themselves, like independent little I, structures? I think it's in a, like, I, yeah, I think it's, like, in a warehouse building or something like that. So we're actually warehousing people. Didn't they see that in the Matrix? <laughs> you, know, yeah, you know, you might remember this. Um, uh, you know the old Mint building down on 5th yeah. and uh, Mission? It's, mm-hmm. it's in that area that they, they've, re, um, they've 
tried to gentrify it a little bit. And that's so a bad I, area. Sixth Street, Fifth, or is it Fifth Avenue, Fifth Street? No, it's, it's just, Fifth. It's Fifth and yeah, Sixth is bad too. Chronicle building that that, uh, yeah. that Yahoo bought out. Huh. And, that's um, like the that's like the, actually, the tenderloin. It's like a mini tenderloin. No, no, no. It's not, it's not really the tenderloin. It's kind of like armpit. No, it's not. It's not the tenderloin, but it's, it's a but, it's a bad area. A lot of drugs, a lot of homeless people. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, and it's right near the yeah, hotel. Yeah, that's why they put the pods there and not the marina. <laughs> right across the street from Union Square, pretty much. It's it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what that's at San Francisco, and then um, and then Biden uh, strolled into town last week, as you guys have probably heard. But here's the thing. Um, we counted over 100 SFB, SFPD cops were diverted to the petty needs of this one individual. If you go to our YouTube channel, Bianca for San Francisco, and you, you know, type in Biden, you'll see mm-hmm. his motorcade pulling away. And there's obviously like 100 cops driving alongside, in addition to his uh, Secret Service Army. And not to mention that they, they had four Fork motorcycle guys on every block between the Fairmont as it rolls down California all the way to its uh, to their destination in Seacliff. So that's a lot of like cops. Is this normal? I mean, we've had people go to California for fundraising before. They usually end up, you know, down Atherton or, or someplace. You know, they don't actually go in South in San Francisco unless they're like Nancy Pelosi's place or down in Fairmont. Yeah, house. I think there might be some raised thing. But what what kind of got us was the thing is. That thing is a, um, they call these limousine the beast, and it's basically like an armored tank. It's got anywhere oh, from yeah. five to eight inch of armor plating, and the the glass is bulletproof and can stop a 44 magnum round. Right. 44 magnum round at point blank range. So, you know, between that and the Secret Service, it seemed more about like just butt kissing to the president, really, than well, actually. Protecting Think them. of the cost of this too, and so as especially since you know, they're you, talking, they're they're going on and on and on and on and on about police staffing shortages. And by yeah, the way, well, we looked up the stats that day. Uh-huh. There were two rapes and about sixteen car break-ins less than a mile from where that from from the Fairmont Hotel where he was staying. Wow! But like I said, from from a progressive point of view, the money that was spent, you know, see so Air Force One. Is is what five thousand bucks a minute? It's <laughs> some ridiculous amount of money, right? This thing is really actually we're gonna get, we're gonna jump to that and we're gonna cover that in um, the Diane Feinstein. Okay, well, hold on, off on that but, because uh, the whole Midwest uh, the strikers yeah. thing. It was there for a short time. That was the pretense. That was that's like the justification. They have to have official business for Air Force One. So he makes a fifty-eight second speech. That's the official business. Now the whole trip is justified. Then he goes out to California, you know, to raise money. So I'll, I'll let you fill in the gaps on that. But that's that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, it was you know it was a really embarrassing and frankly you know autocratic like visual to see. Um, mm-hmm. People did people lined up. A lot of people gave him the bird and uh, just kept driving on. Uh, moving on to our next story here, we have the homo hotheads Castro telling the homeless make funds not love. And what they're doing is that normally where people would sleep on the street, they've installed like these um, these these street planters, you know, to put flowers or trees in or things like that. They're actually buying them themselves, <clears throat> putting them on the street. And this is all led by um, led by gay Jewish Orange County carpetbagger Supervisor Randall Raphael Mandelman. I can't talk this. Mandelman, Mandelman the pride uh-huh. of 
equal opportunity self-loathers. <clears throat> and it's it's they're doing it not just in the castle, they're also trying to do it in the mission too. These are all been like white gentrified neighborhoods. Right. And they're essentially trying to push the the poor people out without actually doing right by them. So, uh, you know, what really galls me about this whole, you know, phony flower power business out here is that this is exactly the kind of thing that they would attribute to to Republicans or MAGAs or or Donald Trump. And there's none of that here. There's no guys there. There's no scapegoating that they can be done. It's just them and their greed mm-hmm. and their disdain for their fellow humans. So, um you know, it, next time somebody from San Francisco tries to get on their high horse, you can knock them down a peg. And that goes for anybody oh, yeah. listening. Well, and it's interesting that you are as critical of, of Democrats and their failures uh, as a progressive as I am uh, of, uh, of conservatives and Republicans as an anti-federalist. So yeah. it, it's a very interesting thing that we see the faults in, in people that are supposed to be, you know, our people, our party. And I don't have associated. Yeah. You, you listen to my shows. I'm far more critical of Republicans. I mean, I know what the Democrats are doing. And, and, I, and obviously, I don't believe in, in most of their policies either. But that's not the point, is that yeah. I expect more from the Republicans, yeah. as you probably expect more from the Democrats. And, and you're not getting it. Yeah. No, hmm. we're not. There's There's been a significant departure. And, and that's why they're now, you know, re, re, relabeling these new centrists as the Uniparty, which is just, you know, a polite term for deep state, really. Well, yeah, um, it's the same thing. Mm. Uh, but but both sides use it. You know, Matt Gates talks about the Uniparty. Yeah. He would be on the conservative end. The House, so the House Freedom Caucus, Gates and, and the eight that voted against McCarthy, or as we call him, Kevin yeah. Deep State, you know, they would be, they use the term Uniparty. And Progressive Caucus, I'm sure, uses the term Uniparty for the Democrats and Republicans that are basically the Uniparty, the Deep State. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And, and okay. they're not doing anything for their for their respective parties' core values. They're more like right. operating as as a kind of corporate sh- shell for the government. Um, and that that brings mm. us to the, our our next headline: uh, the no bomb for you. Uniparty told to talk to the hand over the backdoor funding of the financial Vietnam that is the Ukraine. <laughs> No aid for the world's pouting problem child, Vladimir Zelensky, his American, and EU won't buy him his new Xbox and nouveau Castro chic fatigues. Zelensky you has never this, served in the military. Who writes your material? <laughs> this is really good. I mean, I mean, we might just slow down and kind of... I, I write it myself, bit. you know. Oh, it's great. This is, this uh, is fabulous. I, I love uh, it. Just the, the, the oh, there's more here. here. Um, oh, oh, I'm sure. Zelensky, who never served in the military compensates by starting his day with hours of Call of Duty with a bowl of Cheerios in his lap. So he's not getting any more money. Apparently the the EU just uh, kicked down today. They gave gave him like another $50 billion. billion. But um, the the Freedom Caucus, you know, had their day in the sun and they got the uh, Ukrainian aid. Uh, mm-hmm. Disentangled from the, the omnibus bill, which is what they were using to try try and backdoor this money in, while people are starving and um, dying in our streets from fentanyl, and they're sending money to this, you know, problem child across the world. Well, tell me so about that for a second, not... because I want to I want to go into that a little bit because uh, I don't know that much about this deal. So as I understand it, the continuing resolution in order to get it did not have Ukraine funding, but it didn't matter because yeah. there's some deal with uh, McDeep State and Schumer and, and, and uh, Biden anyway. 
Do you know? Well, that's what they're that saying. Um, okay. But it's it's still going to be a victory even if it passes because then everyone's going to be you know on the record point blank either saying I want funding for this or I don't want funding for this. Before they could kind of hide within the bundle and say, hey, there was a lot of stuff going on and I just wanted to move this thing along. They can't they can't do that anymore. They don't have that political cover. I I have. I'm skeptical of whether or not Biden can do pull off something like that, especially what's going on. Um, obviously, the the Freedom Caucus is going to oppose it. Most of the Progressive Caucus will oppose it. So that could that could create some problems right there. I think that's about at least 40 people right there. Yeah, I was just curious. That's my next yeah. question. How many people are in the Progressive Caucus? Because I know there's about 20 members of the House Freedom Caucus. I don't even know if Matt Gates is yeah. in them, but he he's he's he would be like a, a uh, uh, sympathizer, or he'd be a very similar point of view. But I think of like Andy Biggs, uh, Scalise, you know, Bobert, uh, Marcia Taylor Green, Green. Um, the yeah. you know Jim Jordan, you know the real the real uh, Massey, the the you know, and they actually went against what Gates did, which is kind of interesting. But the Freedom Caucus yeah, is the Jim, most. Jim. Conservative Jim peeled off from the herd. Okay. Jim, Jim peeled off from the herd. He actually stopped by Mc, uh, McDeep State on this one. Um, well, he supports McDeep State. Now here's, a, now, here's something I explained earlier, and uh, I, I'm sure you thought mm-hmm. of this or talked about it, but the, the power of the speaker, and Nancy Pelosi was legendary for wielding power. What people don't get mm-hmm. is that the speaker holds all the committee chairs, the subcommittee chairs, all the leadership positions, yeah. everything in power. If you want to advance... In Congress, the only way you can do it is if your party is the majority and the speaker, you know, rewards you. So you got to kiss the butt of the speaker. So anybody that goes against the speaker has a chance if that speaker makes it. If, you know, in other words, you, you got to bite off the head of the snake because if you don't, you bite the tail, snake's going to get you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's how it works. You know, so if you go the, for the king, you better kill the king. Yeah. Better kill. Exactly. Yeah. So anybody that, that, that votes against um, McDeep State or votes against Pelosi or anybody who's speaker, they're not going to get a committee chair. Their, their career is done. They might as well go, you know, run for governor or something or run for something else because they're not going to go anywhere in Congress because speakers are traditionally vindictive. And that was not talked about yesterday on the news Pelosi at all. Pelosi was, so, yeah. Yeah, well, she was incredible. Pelosi well, was well, vindictive. She's a very nasty woman. That's what they call her, nasty Pelosi. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think Gates is, it has that kind of calculation going on in his mind. I think it's, it's, it's all very one-dimensional to him. A promise mm. was made. It wasn't kept. Therefore, this is the reaction. This is the response. And I think a lot of the progressives are along the same way, too. They really didn't like, uh, you know, McDeep State to begin with. They reluctantly accepted him, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, this all begs the, you know, the further question is, you know, okay, fine, you got your vacate, you know, you got your vacate, mm-hmm. but now who's going to replace them? And that's what they're trying to figure out right now. And well, he might even, he might even end up off. coming back. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, he, well, it was, well I mean, he, he says he's not going to come back, which means he, he wants to come back. I mean, you know how that works. But what, what do you think yeah. is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen over this little recess? So the first thing that the temporary speaker does is call a recess and sends everybody home. Well, to me, that's yeah. like phone call arm twisting time. So all the backroom deals are going to be oh, made yeah. during this recess. You know, so if they were if they're still in Congress, they wouldn't be able to do that as much because they could talk to their 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 fellow representatives and they have open caucus and they have meetings. House would still be in session. So this is this is like the time under the Capitol when the Trump supporters were above on January 6th. This is arm twisting time. And so although we probably agree, disagree on January 6th. But what's you know, what's going to be happening now? 
you know, we've got, what, four or five days uh, where they're all going to go home. Well, they're not going to be sitting around doing nothing. Someone's going to be talking to them. No, no. They're, 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 they're furiously working right now. They're, yeah. they're, one, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out who they can get that either one, all the Republicans can agree on, or at least they're, you know, they're 218, or who the Republicans and some Democrats might agree on. That's what the, that's what the calculation they're doing is now. See, and then they have to figure out what's it going to cost them. Yeah. That's what they have to figure out. Well, see, I, see, the Democrats would love to sabotage the Republicans, but they don't want to help them. Just as the Republicans want to sabotage the Democrats, they don't want to help them, but they're not as organized. So the Democrats yeah. are organized. So, so the Democrat vote is one block, right? I mean, it's pretty well mm-hmm. all, all conditioned. They, they all know what to do. They all vote as a block. Hakeem Jeffries basically directs that block. So is that block, you know, going to vote for a Republican? No. Would they vote to get rid of a Republican? I don't know. There's been, there's been some rumblings that the progressives, um, just like I've told you before and over and right. over again, the oh, progressives yeah. have more in common with, you know, some of the Freedom Caucus than they do with the, the party. Absolutely. They're, they're no, I agree with you there. Because, you know, politics is not... Uh, is my okay. connection okay, by the way? No, you're fine. To, like cut off once. In a... Okay. Yeah, um, no, you're fine. That's me interrupting. I'm sorry. Uh, so, it, it, yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I think it's my phone. That it it kind of drops like some oh. of your packets. Uh, now you you uh, sound fine. Okay. That's good to know. Um, so, uh, so like I said, like I've said, politics is not a spectrum. It's not that one-dimensional. It's more like a three-dimensional sphere. It kind of mm-hmm. just wraps around. And at some point, you can kind of come you can go far enough around the earth and come back to right back to where you started mm-hmm. or, you know, to some other places like, um, <clears throat> so I, I think that there's been a lot of like, you know, hinting in the news. There's been a lot of AOC interviews asking her opinion about all this, which is usually a sign that something is happening. Um, hmm. Why her? How, how is she the, the, the lightning rod? She's, she's considered the de facto face, of the progressives, even though it's Rashida Tahib or uh, Pramila Jayapal, I keep, okay. can't, uh, I keep forgetting which one is which. Um, but uh, so, and and she might even go against them too. You know, she might even go. The progressive caucus might decide to just stay. Um, you know, with with the with the party line, and in which case AOC could take a few members of the caucus like Jamal and um, maybe uh, Ilhan and say, you know, let's, let's try and get something for, you know, that we've really been looking to get for a long time, maybe Medicare for all or something like that. And, and see what kind of deal we can make with the Republicans. There could be all kinds of things going on. This would not be the first time that the progressives have, you know, rubbed their, their party's nose in it. Like we remember during them, but, build back better negotiation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't put any, a lot of things, I wouldn't eliminate a lot of things uh, at this point. There's a lot of fun things that are going on. I really wish I could be a fly in those rooms. They, should, <laughs> they could sell tickets to well, those things. Here's what I see happening. Uh, the, the progressives and, and the, the, the Freedom Caucus get together when it's time to oppose something, but it's different when it was time to come together to, to vote for something. Because that's real difference yeah. to show up. So, so the the United is against wars like uh, Iraq, Ukraine, Afghanistan. So we unite on that. We but we unite for different yeah. reasons. Okay. Um, 
Whereas something like voting for a Republican speaker, you know, both the United part is they don't want Kevin McCarthy. Neither the progressives nor the Freedom Caucus want McCarthy. So that's obvious. But would they, they're united in that, but would they unite over a Republican speaker? See, I don't think so. I think that's where the, the disagreement is going to come. And this is where the progressive caucus, you know, because the, A, they don't well, want to be looking to support Republicans. You know, it depends. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it depends on what we could get. If we could get like something really big, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it out there, like the Green New Deal, that would be a huge coup. And then no one would remember the fact that, um, that AOC voted for a Republican and they would remember the fact that AOC led the charge to get, you know, the Green New Deal. And that would be the, that would be the legacy. And it's not half, not half yeah, that so way the, to go. But the, the caucus, Freedom Caucus would never go for that. And I understand why, because I would never go for that. I mean, I'm completely against the Green Deal. I'm, I'm for uh, yeah, burning well, organic no, fuels. Yeah, well, no, I was just using it as an example. Yeah, okay. I mean, the thing we need to talk about that when there's not as yeah. much else going on. <laughs> we need to do that. We need to do a climate change yeah. chat too. So we, we have some chats. But coming. the point is they um, could get uh-huh. some, they could get some really cherry policy in place that they've been looking to do, looking to get for a long time. Why? Because of these uh, centrist so, Democrats. Uh, so you're saying that the house freedom caucus uh, would, would get some of the votes of the progressive caucus in order. And the deal, they'd make a deal for something the progressive caucus wanted so that they would get a conserv or more conservative speaker or like an America first speaker, as opposed to uh, a deep state speaker. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's possible. Huh. So what and do you there, think there the House Freedom Caucus... There might even be some Caucus... contingencies. Yeah. There might even be some further contingencies, too, like, you know, you know, nobody messes with the committee assignments or anything like that until the next election or for speaker or something well, like that. Well, but what could they agree on, though? Uh, I think, I, again, we come back to what they're united against. So if, the, if there could be uh, no mm-hmm. funding, not only for an Iraq, uh, excuse me, a Ukraine war, but any foreign war, because it seems like every president except Trump has gotten us into some kind of stupid war. You know, Bush the elder, Bush yeah. the younger had Iraq. And was the, the younger's war was absolutely insane. Uh, Afghanistan, there's no reason for that. But I'll go back to Vietnam and, and Korea. You know, the Korea was split, yeah. and then they went to war. What a surprise. Vietnam was split, then they went to war. You know, and then we had Iraq, Afghanistan, and Ukraine. There's no reason for these wars. Yeah. These, these wars are wars of no, military, no, industrial, complex... Money. This is wars to make money on that. Now, this is where the progressives and the Freedom Caucus can agree. So if they could come up with an agreement on that, say, okay, we're not going to fund this anymore. We're not going to have nation-building wars. We're not going to have – we're going to have a war. It's going to be a real war with a real enemy that's fighting us. If not, we're not going to do it. So I would – you know what would be interesting to do? If they both agreed to pull out of NATO, for example, that might be something they could agree on. Yeah, that's that's a a huge – slippery slope. I don't think it's a it's something that's really worthwhile. Um, okay. I, you know, I've, I've heard this on my end, too, um, that, you know, NATO is just a constant troublemaker. It is. That's what co- NATO caused the Ukraine-Russian war, because NATO membership... Yeah, I, the, I don't disbelieve uh, that, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's also kind of a, it's this nice shield that we have against full-on thermonuclear war. So, but we've, got, um, we've got the nuclear deterrent anyway, so we've got the nuclear weapons. We don't need NATO to use those nuclear weapons, and the only reason we would use those nuclear weapons against Russia is if they use nuclear weapons against us. The problem with NATO is that now we have to use nuclear weapons if they use them against Ukraine, if Ukraine's a member of NATO. Well, that's not a position we want to be in. Something Why would more closer, that... I would say, is Poland. Yeah. Okay. Poland could 
yeah, the Poland shouldn't be a member. And now there's trouble with Serbia too. And, um, yeah. Well, nothing's happened in Serbia uh, the last hundred years, has there? <laughs> yeah, I know, Arch, right? They, they Arch, I don't know what it is yeah. about those. Oh, the parts of the country, they just can't they get along other. with each other. They've hated each other for centuries. Yeah, they just... yeah. Yugoslavia was a joke. You can't put Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, Macedonia. You can't put those countries together and expect a good result. Yeah, they they need their own <laughs> deal apparently. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, you know, got centuries of hatred there. Centuries, you yeah, know. centuries of Boy, hatred. Alexander the Great with, with uh, Israel and Palestine is just nuts. Yeah. They just can't seem to behave themselves and just share. <laughs> well, um, that's that's a whole other conversation. I'm not going to disagree with you on that now, yeah. you know, uh, as much as I could. But that's a good conversation for us to have as well. Yeah. Let's get back to uh, yes. you said something the the homo hotheads. You never really explained that. Uh, I want to go back to that just a little bit. Uh, and then you said the gay Jewish Orange County something or others. You've got these fascinating yes. terms that I've never heard. So I want to explore this a little bit as we uh, as we as we get and we'll get we'll get to all the stories. You want to go back to that. Okay. What, what is a homo hothead? <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever heard that term before. <laughs> well, uh, it's just our, our colorful little euphemism for, you know, homosexuals who are just kind of angry at people for being homeless. And, uh, oh, like it's their fault? The, well, that's you, interesting. Yeah. And uh, so this is kind of a departure from the normal kind of, you know, a happy homosexual you, is that's depicted in the media just, Free love and kindness and more, and it's actually kind of, it's actually taken a very, very ugly, ugly turn out here, huh. and it's unfortunate that um, that these kind of like uniparty forces have, they are effectively criminalizing poverty and weaponizing crime to drive wedges between between us. Between like you know people in the LGBT community and it's kind of like the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, I was just gonna say, um, is there like a, a gay minority in general? Is is yeah. there an elite gay aristocracy that kind of looks down upon other LGBT folks? Yeah, definitely. I think we covered that in one huh. of the other shows too, with the women's um, women's direct international or something like that. That was um, they had a convention okay. at the Hilton and. Mm. Uh, these these are these I are women that. that are known as TERFs, and that's what's called yeah, right. trans exclusionary radical yeah. feminists, and they don't believe <laughs> transgender people are, you know, the the gender that they're identifying as, and um, <clears throat> so yeah, there are there are divisions within the LGBT community. Um, right. There are certainly um, economic ones. I mean, you can look at guys like Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple, and he's gay. Mm-hmm. And, hmm, I didn't know, you know that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and there's, there's a lot more like him too. There's, you know, um, Ryan Murphy down in Los Angeles who produces all those like gay themed shows, like you know, Glee and things like that, huh. which I was on. <clears throat> oh, and yeah, singing and, or acting? Uh, I can't sing unless you want to torture North Koreans. Okay, because someone's been acting. Then. Okay, fine. Yeah, so it was it was just it was all lip sync, you know, when you know and I and I kept getting offers from musical theaters like I don't sing and I don't really care for theater. Wow. So, uh, but anyhow, um, yeah, yeah. This 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 guy Raphael Mandelman, Mandelman is a real uh-huh. piece of work. He's not even from San Francisco. He's gay and Jewish and apparently he's an equal opportunity self-loather because he's undermining both groups by his constant selling out. 
And that was interesting, too. Gay Jewish, we, Orange County, and what was the rest of it? You had a really carpetbagger. Carpetbagger, that's what carpet, it was. Yeah. A, a lot of people, I don't think there's one person on our board who was from San Francisco, except for the mayor. And huh. everybody else is, they're most of them are from New York. And, um, well, that's a lot of California politicians. How many California politicians? Let's let's say Diane Feinstein was from New York. I think Nancy Pelosi was what New York or New Jersey? Um, no, Baltimore. Was, she's Baltimore. Okay. So was Feinstein New York? Yeah. Where, where she? Because she's not native San Francisco. No, she, I believe she was born here. Oh, she was. Okay. I, I, yeah, but she about, she went uh, to a Catholic school, which is weird. Um, huh. Barbara Boxer was East Coast. Jewish. Feinstein's Barbara Jewish. Boxer well, from obviously, you want a name like Feinstein. Yeah, that, that, that's a giveaway. Uh, Barbara Boxer, where is she from? She was East Coast. I, I don't know. <laughs> huh. Willie Brown was my, Texas. My, I think Willie Brown was from Texas. Yeah, Willie Brown's out of state. But he's a conservative state, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, other prominent, Gavin Newsom. He's, oh, but it gets he's, beyond he's that because, one, um, Willie Brown used to be a used car salesman. <laughs> seriously hey we all gotta start somewhere and mccarthy said he owned a sandwich yeah. shop so you know i don't have a problem with people working i could okay. see that i could see you know i could see that once i think once mccarthy gets kicked out he'll end up being the the manager of the biggest fud rockers in bakersfield <laughs> yeah it'll be mccarthy's oh that's bakersfield i've actually been to bakersfield uh several times i tried to get a radio show there um it was just too far from mm. san francisco and circumstances were that I couldn't move, unfortunately. Um, but Bakersfield's an interesting oh. place. It's like a different world down there. You've got oil. <laughs> You've got a desert. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of, it's just the, the bottom end of the farmland. Once you, once you, it's, it's separated by these mountains, the San Gabriel Mountains from L.A. So you've got the yeah. L.A., you know, total liberal Los Angeles area. Uh, and then across the hills, you've got this other world like an alien planet. It's kind of like the moon. You know, it's Bakersfield. It's hot. Yeah. It's dry. <laughs> it's got oil fields. So there's some real contrast in California people don't see. So that's where McCarthy's from. He's from Bakersfield, huh? That's interesting. Well, I just look forward to seeing him wear some wacky suspenders with a bunch of bling, you know, tacked <laughs> onto it and singing happy birthday songs to the people. Yeah, Buck Owens. <laughs> Isn't Buck Owens from Bakersfield? Did he have a big place down there? Well, actually, I was, I was going to mention a good point about Newsom. Uh, uh-huh. I, you know, it astounds me how nobody seems, you know, any and in any way surprised that he's like he was formerly married to um, Maga Succubus, Kimberly Guilfoyle. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about that. That's not Trump that well Jr. known. So Kimberly Guilfoyle, yeah. yeah, who she's a lawyer yeah. and she's I think she's working for Trump right now. So she was married. To, how did those two get together? Well, she used to be just uh, a district attorney, an assistant district attorney here in San Francisco. Oh, and, and what was he at that? That point? was right around the time that um, I think he was mayor or supervisor, one of those two things. Okay. Um, but that's when he also started cheating on her too. I I couldn't imagine oh, how he'd be dumb enough. We've well, got blonde wife now, right? So he's married. Do they have kids or no? He's got a blonde. Yeah. That's almost required. It's like the black football players that have white wives. It's kind of like, you know, required. So, so, so Gavin Newsom is a blonde wife. All right. So, so he was married. Well, he, I, he was I remember that scene from like, uh, I think it was uh, one of those Al Capone movies where he's, somebody tells Al Capone, like, you know, stop dating these Italian women. They've got the hot blood. You need yourself an Irish woman. <laughs> they won't cheat on you. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Maybe Gavin took some of that advice. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
So is it's it, the hot Irish blood woman? that was well, in Kimberly. She's got an Irish woman. That, uh, yeah. Well, what's her background? She, yeah. Is she Latina by chance? I don't she's know. She's Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican and okay, so, Irish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's calm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, and she still hasn't. She still hasn't married Donald Trump Jr. either, which seems. Very strange. You know, like, is she still is she holding out for a better deal or something like that? <laughs> How much better does it get? Than, than, I know. You know if if, if you're doing it for money, that's okay. What, if it's just for money, you know. I so she's living with Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. Or they're, they're just they're shacked up. They're shacked up. Okay, yeah. so shacked up. So she now think about they the, bought a place what, in what kind Florida. of person? Oh, wait, wait a minute. This is, this is getting interesting. What kind of person? Now, actually, actually, look wise, they're fairly similar. Gavin Newsom and Don Jr kind of have similar looks. They're, they're, they're tall, dark. Yeah, they're good-looking you know, guys. Yeah. Yeah, they're good-looking guys. Okay, right. So it's interesting. So she went from, but politically, they're about as far apart as you get. So what attracted her to Are Newsom? They? Well, you tell me. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what, that's what I'm saying is that I don't buy this whole opposites attract thing. I think there's there's more. To, there's a lot more to Newsom that's going on. I mean, we still don't have a wealth tax in California, yeah, which would okay. solve so many problems. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a that's kind of a liberal go-to, really. He didn't cancel the gas taxes um, during inflation. That was, you know, that's not that's another Republican thing too. I've been. It's just what I've been saying, you know, the whole time is that they're they're behaving the way that they would accuse Republicans or MAGAs or Donald Trump are behaving. They're behaving that way here. And so they're starting to show their true colors, really. So, yeah, I don't think he's much of a, you know, anybody who calls him a progressive doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, you let a recall against him. Or I, you were, you were yeah, I got 500,000 Democrats to sign a signature. You know, that was so what were the major issues? So what don't we know about Gavin Newsom? What were the major issues? Because that I think people it was would be just, interested It was well. just like what I said, you know, um, it was it was wealth wealth disparity, income inequality, mm-hmm. all these things that can easily be fixed. You know, this is this is the you know one of the this is the the wealthiest state and the richest country in the world. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for these things. We're the fourth largest economy, and we can't keep the damn lights on in Agreed. summer. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. It's ridiculous, and <clears throat> so. And then there's the environmental gas. And I remember waking up to a red dawn one morning, and I, I seriously thought, like, okay, you've gone to hell, Bianca. And mm-hmm. it's like I knew I was going to hell, but I thought for other stuff. And, you at least have a good reason, right? Yeah, yeah I know. And uh, so, that, I mean, that was really disastrous. There's all the other things that he that he's failed to do. And polls even show, you know, showed that we had during that, that 70% of Californians Excuse me. Like seventy percent of Democrats wanted a, wanted another Democrat to run for that office. So yeah, he's having problems. Um, cannot be allowed to advance to president. That would be extremely bad for the country. And um, well, I think the only way he'd win is by cheating. Uh, I think that's the the only way that Brandon, you know, won the election. And like I say, I know we disagree on that, but uh, uh, do you mm-hmm. see do you see him playing well in Iowa and New Hampshire, for example? He's a California, what we think of as progressive. Now you have disagreements, which is interesting. But the most critical people are the people in, uh, you know, in your own group. The most people critical of Republicans are other Republicans. So in the same way, 
you know, when the story gets out. We, so you need articles, you need news things, you need YouTubes, you need uh, what you do, you know, the stuff that I post here, but you, on a, on a, for like really big, you know, national news shows to show who Gavin Newsom really is. And they're going to find well, out. That's hopefully. what we're trying to do. But, you know, as yeah. to whether or not he plays in Iowa, I would say, you know, just, just look at, look back to Reagan mm-hmm. who carried every state except Minnesota, which was Walter Mondale state, his opponent. Well, his own state. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then, you know, on the other side of things, you know, the, you know, he was Bernie Sanders was loved in Iowa too. So, you know, by the Democrats, by the other party, but so, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, <laughs> Iowa would be pretty easy to get. Uh, the country would be a more difficult thing, and they would just be singing the same tune of, you know, give us control of the country, and we'll do all these things. And of course, they don't do any they of won't. them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, some of them are unconstitutional. <laughs> there is that little thing too. Yeah. Um, you had yeah. a bunch of other stories. I don't want to. I don't want to start changing any of your other stories. Did you want to? No, that is just a fine sign one. That's it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a, okay. And the Feinstein one was hilarious too, because uh, apparently she, uh, Diane Feinstein, has the last word as she gives the finger to environmentalists. The Prince of Darkness is said to have responded, "Sucks to be you, dude." Uh, so the <laughs> thing is, the article was is that she was flown to SFO on a quote-unquote military jet. And they won't describe it in any further. We sent some requests to the uh, Andrews Air Force Base press office. We still haven't got a response. But if you look mm. at the picture, the jet in question, the military jet, is clearly either Air Force One or Air Force Two, which is about the size of a Boeing 747. Uh, well, 747 Force, is, is the one they usually use for, for Air Force One, but there's a 757 or 67. It's a twin-engine one. So if it had two engines, it's, it's the littler one. If it had four engines, it's the big one. So uh, 747 or Well, they're big. Both six, of them are big jets. They're huge. Well, they are big jets. Uh, yeah, they're wide bodies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was on, and, on uh, uh, the White House budget? Yeah, that was that was on the taxpayer's dime. And just it's, it's going to cost us over a million dollars. And here's how we know this. According to Air Force... Headquarters Air Mobility Command. They estimate the cost of flying, you know, an Air Force One or Air Force Two at $206,337 per hour. And by the way, that's 10 times the standard Boeing 747. So given that it's a five-hour flight from here Mm -hmm. to um, Andrews, that's easily over a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And And then on top of that, SFPD blocked traffic all the way from the airport to San Francisco. I mean, she's dead. Does she have somewhere she has to be or something? <laughs> she's not, like, there's, there's an appointment waiting for her. Yeah. Well, where is she going to be buried? Uh, is there a big well, funeral uh, for her? I know she's, they, you know, they stuck her in City Hall for now. Um, stuck her? I think they're having. <laughs> yeah. uh, is, there, is there a viewing? You know, there's a viewing and, and yeah, people can it, go there a and window look at casket or something or, or, or what? Rotting corpse. Yeah. But um, and, and the and the other thing, the only people on that plane were uh, were Feinstein's daughter, Nancy Pelosi, and Nancy Pelosi's daughter, and a couple of Feinstein staffers. So huh. I don't know why they just couldn't have you know let her fly back UPS or FedEx or something like that. No, you know what they do? I've the seen the mail. Uh, I've seen coffins put <laughs> on airliners. You just put on a regular airliner. Yeah, so that's any, what any they flight. do. That's how you do it. 
Yeah. It's just checked in with the rest of the baggage. I mean, it's not Well, not very, exactly, but, you know, <laughs> but they've, I've seen it, copies yeah, of, it is. Uh, they, of service people loaded on. I mean, and they, they announced it. The airlines just say, we, we have, we're, we're transporting a service member who, you know, passed away, who served in, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, whatever it is. I've heard, that, you know, I've seen these things done. And you see the caskets, and then uh, there's a flag, the whole bit, um, which is good. I mean, that's, a, you know, but there's no reason she couldn't have flown back on an airliner. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's no reason for it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a, there's probably like hundreds of flights every day from, you know, that area to our Washington area. to San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Dallas, um, I'm sure the, there are the Dallas, they, San Francisco, several per day. Betcha, betcha. You know, and so you know, maybe if she was alive, I could see you know some sort of security need. But you know, she's dead. You mm-hmm. know. <laughs> What the no hell is somebody going to do? Like, you know, is, is yeah. some Ukrainian terrorist going to like hijack her body and hold her for like, you know, more <laughs> aid rental? money or something? What? Um, given dead. Ukraine, well, here's the question though. Let's if we could just talk Ukraine for a second, how desperate do you think they're going to get? Because if they don't get their money, they don't have their war. And this is a yeah, this is dead. a warlord. Zelensky this is said a warlord it. Situation. Zelensky said it himself that when he came to Washington, he says if we don't get this money, we're we're finished. Um, but, you know, like I said that, um, earlier, you know, the EU bailed him out. They gave him another $52 billion. I, you know, I guess they're money anyway. come by over there. Yeah. They were, you know, yeah, Sun the thing, Tzu, they don't realize the art of that, war. Um, they were what, always finished. What they really need to do is, um, you, you know, you've got to hit them at home. You've got you to gotta be able to strike Moscow. And they really don't have any kind – they don't have a navy, so that's out. I mean, they've got a few boats or something, but nothing capable of, you know, yeah, but, but you know the climbing around to Moscow Europe. is land. It's, it's not, there's no water yeah, involved. And, and anything over oh. launched, you know, from land, you know, is probably mm-hmm. going to get sighted and destroyed. I don't know. For some reason, I can't understand these drones are making it. But, you know, I would think. Well, no, because it's, uh, it's hard to shoot them down. It's hard to shoot down drones. And they don't have a big radar signature. And, and uh, you know, so they're, they're hard to hit. Uh, you'd have to have, you know, and they're they're also missiles. they're also tied a little bit too because um, the the advanced weaponry that the, the United States mm-hmm. was letting them use was under the guidelines that it not be used in a forward assault capacity. No, because they don't want Russia to go system. nuclear. <laughs> you know, but here's yeah. the thing: this war, if you, if you uh, and we've talked about this one, we just had a, a wonderful person on the show, Dr. Peter Pry, died a year ago, uh, August. Mm-hmm. And I think he was killed by a COVID shot. That's another discussion we can have. Anyway, he yeah. told us very clearly because his, his specialty was foreign policy, nuclear weapons, uh, electromagnetic pulse and things like that. I've got a gazillion hours with him. Yeah. He was an amazing man. Anyway, what he told us, we went over the six points that Putin said, you know, we're not going to go to war if we get these six points. And the most important one was, was ha- not having Ukraine be in NATO. <clears throat> That's why they went to war, because mm-hmm. they didn't want the whole NATO, you know, armada, you know, against Russia. But the, the Ukraine could never beat Russia in a war. Never. We already knew that. Yeah, there was yeah. no outcome other than Ukraine loses. Given that, given Sun Tzu, the, the art Russia's of war, been, you know, knowing Russia's yourself and knowing your enemy. Kick gloves. Well, they've been, they've been limiting. They haven't, they haven't been. There's no tactical nuclear weapons. They're, you know, they're not, they're no, not trying no. for a surrender. Have they, have they demanded Ukraine surrender? No. They've just demanded that uh, yeah. they leave the Russian ethnic people in Ukraine alone. So it, there's no mm-hmm. good people here. You got you got Nazis on the eastern side of the country. You got communists on the western side of the country. <clears throat> it's not a good situation. You got left on left again. It's just sort of like a repeat of of Nazi Germany and and uh, communist Russia. This is not good. There is no, no good outcome. Bad, bad no one's going to win this. And so given there's no that, ex, there's no real exit strategy that they're right. 
So given that we knew ahead of time before the first shot was fired that nobody was going to win, that Ukraine was not going to defeat Russia, that it was a total waste, uh, you know, the only possible outcome was that people would die. That's it. That's the only possible outcome. Uh, So why why even start that fight? Unless you make money off the death of Ukrainians and you don't care. So now well, we've that's got some, certainly a, a yeah. real possibility, and I would not, oh, I would sure. not dismiss that at all. You know, yeah. and mm-hmm. they're also well, Republicans are also trying to produce this ridiculous narrative too. Like, you know, yeah. we need to fight Putin here so we don't fight him in a in a world war, and that's absolutely oh, ridiculous. You know, no, 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 that's no. The most but, dumbest thing I'd ever heard, and it's from this idiot in, in Indiana or something like that, and or Maryland. Um, and you, there, there is no, there is no face-off with with Russia. Okay, it's it's done. You know, we thought the, the sanctions would hurt. I mean, it did. But you know, really, the best thing for everybody, really, is to get together and say, you know, he's got an arrest warrant for him. Put a billion dollar bounty on his head. His own FSB will turn him in. Problem solved. Oh, Putin. <clears throat> well, actually, the yeah. you know, it's interesting. Let's look at history for a little bit here, because you know, back after World War II, the Russians crossed all through Eastern Europe. And, and basically destroyed the eastern half of Germany. Uh, the Allies, Britain, France, and the United States, came in from the other side with the Normandy invasion and kicked the western half of Germany. And so they met mm-hmm. kind of in the middle, and there was almost another, Patton wanted to go with Russia and said, look, you, you better kick these people all the way back to Russia, or we're going to have to fight them someday in the future. And he was absolutely right. But, I, but nobody wanted to do, have a war with Russia uh, as soon as World War II was over. And I agree with that. No, that so what happened was really stupid. Really stupid. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, World War II could have been prevented by not going into World War One. We'll talk about that later. But the, the way Europe divided. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we agree on that, too. It's interesting. Uh, so the world divided. So Europe divided into Western Europe, which became NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, and Eastern Europe yeah. divided into the Warsaw Pact. Warsaw, now, Warsaw Pact. Pact yeah. Right. So the, and between them was the Iron Curtain, as, as Churchill described it. So the Warsaw Pact, yeah. the difference with them was they weren't voluntary. NATO was voluntary. They joined. Warsaw Pact, yeah. you know, Poland, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, and it's now that's been split, Romania, Bulgaria, all these countries, Moldova, you know, um, they didn't do this voluntarily. They were invaded. You know, Stalin went in. He didn't go back after World War II. He kept them, <laughs> you know, and then they went in the 50s. If they got bad, like Hungary, the tanks rolled into Hungary in the 50s. Said, Look, you're all communist states. So the, so the Eastern European states were, were, were held by force. The Western European states uh, volunteered to join NATO. And that was a stalemate. Yeah. Now, when Russia collapsed, when the Soviet Union collapsed and the Warsaw Pact collapsed with it, Russia did not re- when the government of Russia reformed the Russian Federation, they did not go back and recapture those Eastern European countries. They left them alone. And the deal was yeah. keep NATO where it is. Don't expand. And we're not going to worry about you because we got this whole buffer zone of all these Eastern European countries. So the reason we have this conflict now, as I see it, is because NATO reneged on that deal. That's the way the world was. You've got NATO, you've got Russia, and you've got a big buffer zone of Eastern European companies to form a Warsaw Pact. And Russia said, look, you don't go into these countries, we're good. That's our buffer zone. We're cool. Because Russia was invaded by Hitler, Napoleon, and Bismarck, <laughs> if I remember my history. So Russia was invaded three times. Yeah. Lost literally million, 20 million people in World War II. So they're serious about this. And so the smartest thing to do was to say, okay, good deal. We'll keep NATO. We'll keep NATO in the current countries. We're not going to expand it. We're not going to go to Turkey. We're not going to go to Scandinavia. We're certainly not going to go to uh, Ukraine. That'd be the worst mistake. We're just going to keep NATO as it is at the former border of the Iron Curtain. That would have solved this. But they didn't do that because they wanted a war. 
Make sense? I, yeah, I mean, I, I accept your, your argument is cogent, but uh, I don't know if I accept your premises per se. Okay, uh, that's fine. Which one? But regardless, we're we're in it right now, and I think okay. the only real solution is just to put a bounty on the guy's head and let him, you know, he'll spend the rest of his life in jail, presumably. Who, Zelensky or you know, uh, or, or Putin? No, uh, Putin. Why? Why him? Because uh, he's wanted for war crimes by the international tri- um I forget the, the thing. It's the international How about court. How about the war crimes that uh, Zelensky and the you know, Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I, you know, if, if so who's Zelensky the good is here? not investigated, it would be a serious miscarriage of justice because there's a lot of reports. I mean, it's obviously on Russian TV, but they're saying that um, the Russian the Russian soldiers who are captured are not treated well either. You know, they're, they're what cheap or full. They're, you know, all kinds you know, Oh, yeah, yeah, it's messed up. They're, they're really they, – they're tortured in, in very nasty ways. And you're mm-hmm. not supposed to torture soldiers once they're captured. No, Geneva Convention. surrendered. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You keep they, them in prison camp off, and go, uh, return them after the war is over. They go to a nice That's, little camp and, you know, well, just wait, nice. wait everything out. <laughs> they're not nice, but, you know, <laughs> but they're but they're habitable. You know, but yeah, you know, they're yeah, habitable. In fact, uh, um, well, look at World War II. Uh, if you were in a Gestapo camp, you were tortured and killed and interrogated. Uh, but if you're in a Luftwaffe, uh, if you were shot down, if you're like an Air Force uh, pilot or a gunner shot down, you ended up in a Luftwaffe camp. It wasn't pleasant. It was freezing cold because they didn't care. But you weren't you weren't uh, yeah. tortured. You know, you weren't treated yeah. horribly. You're just treated badly. <laughs> okay. But prisoners of war yeah. usually are treated badly. But it was survivable. And so it all depended on where you were. You know, and the same thing goes with uh, with this. We see there are no good people here. I mean, these again, this is like uh, those states we talked about earlier. No. You know, the former Yugoslavia. They've been enemies for centuries. This goes back, and that's the a, idea that we're going to you know great, we're going to go. That's a great and, point, Greg. Go ahead. That, that really is because uh, you know both the, the thing is both these countries are dirtbags. The mm-hmm. thing is the Ukrainians have have like uh, a slight you know maybe three degree of separation and that they have the moral high ground and that they were invaded. But yeah, yeah, they have their drawbacks too. There's also the, there's a torturing, there's the, you know, the Asimov uh, Nazi battalions Mm -hmm. that are are roaming around in the countryside and doing their nasty, doing the country's nasty business and, you know, being able to hide from prosecution because they're not like Ukrainian soldiers. Um, There was the outmount, the you know, patent racism that they exhibited when p- people were trying to leave the country. You know, they made black people wait for all the white people to leave first. Wait, wait, wait. in uh, Ukraine, how many black people in Ukraine? I mean, you got two. You know, Russia's mostly white, and Ukraine's mostly white. I mean, they're yeah. almost exclusively white. These are white countries. Europe, yeah. Uh, World War II was fought in Europe. There are white some people. black people there. I don't know how yeah, they. Yeah. I don't know why they go to Ukraine. In the same way is I don't know why like Chinese exchange students end up in North Dakota. You know, but they they do. Well, it's like, how do you base. even know about North Dakota? Most no, most Americans bases. don't know about North Dakota, North Dakota and like, somehow yeah. you found yourself there. Well, or, you know, Idaho you, or one or let me tell you a story. You know, some of these. Yeah. Let me tell you a story. We had a call from Beijing, China. Oh, sorry. We had a a student call us from Beijing. It's the only time I've had a call from China. China's listened to us since yeah, we started the show. It's true. Beijing call came in. And, uh, we had a great chat. Now this is someone who spoke English. Went to American universities. Mm-hmm. I'm sure was here to steal technology. That's what most of the folks are here for. Um, but he talked mm-hmm. about, he says, too many guns in America. I like it's nice, nice and safe in China. I said, really? It's only safe because everybody's completely <laughs> oppressed. You know, there's no freedom. 
you know, <laughs> uh, guns bring freedom. Give me, give me freedom to, to carry a gun and, and uh, take care of my own safety in a country where I have freedom and I can go where I want. I can drive where I want, at least we used to, uh, over, over Chinese communism any day. So we had a really interesting discussion. Never heard from him again. Never heard from anybody from China again. I mean, that wasn't monitored. Yeah, I know. Maybe, I guess the CCP had their say, and then that was it. Was time to move on, or but um, yeah. I, I forget how we where we got off on that. But uh, oh yeah, the racism in the in in racism Ukraine. in Ukraine, yeah. So, and and you know, torturing of poss- possible torturing of Russian soldiers. But you know, they they've definitely got Putin on, on that, and he desert and he needs to go. The guy's a menace. And you know, really, it's the same problem that it is here. You have this oligarch structure that just you know, thinks they can do whatever they want. The world is just their playground. And we really need to, you know, take them down a few pegs. It's up to us. It's up to us to remove our oligarch, war class, neocons. It's up to Russia if they want to remove Putin. It's not to do it. It wasn't up to us to remove Saddam Hussein, even though he was a terrible person, or or Assad in Syria, or any of these dictators out there. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you in principle. The thing is, is that, you know, mm-hmm. anybody who couldn't see this, you know, thing with Putin, you know, was, mm-hmm. you know, obviously not paying attention because you have a man who's a oh, consummate egomaniac. And well, on top of that, that going he's, around. He's, <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and on top, you add that kind of machismo with, uh, with all the money that he has and, and power and influence, something had to give at some point because he, he, he pretty much rules with an iron fist over Russia. He just had to have some more land. Well, I'd be curious That's how these things work. Greed never, greed never stops feeding. Yeah, how open is their economy? They've got a, they've got a. Uh, um, in fact, I'll get Marco. They're a free He's market economy. Right yeah, they're a free market Marco, economy. You, so, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, well, I got Marco listening in the Netherlands. He'll be able to tell us about this. We need okay. to talk about this next week. But how, how free is Russia? I'd be curious. Uh, I don't know because I haven't, I haven't really. Said, under communism, obviously, there was no freedom. <clears throat> but once we had Gorbachev, no. once they opened up. Glasnost, Perestroika, that kind of stuff, uh, became a different country. Now it's the Russian Federation. It's a completely different place. Now, is it still autocratic, yeah. uh, you know, and having an oligarchy? I'm sure it does. It's Russia. You know, they've, they've gone from czars yeah. to communist leaders, so the, the people are not used to freedom. So I don't think it's a free country, but it's still up to, uh, all right, Marco, you take care over there. He's, he types in. That's why. But uh, I don't think it's as bad as people say, you know, because you know, I don't know. But we need to find it out. But here's the thing, though. It's not up to us to remove Putin. It's not. Because that would, because if that were the case, then it'd be up to Russia to remove one of our presidents. And we don't want that either. So you got to look at it from the other side. Mm. So here's the question, though. Here's the here's the big question for, for that I want to ask. Yeah. Um, our war class, the neocons, the military-industrial complex, the bankers, the people that create these wars for their own profit, they knew ahead of time that Ukraine could never defeat Russia. They knew it. Every military no, analyst just... basically. Right. So, given Just the fact a money that money pit of munitions and right and technology and weapons, yeah, it just never ends. Okay. I so mean, that's they what knew. they like. They, what they're trying yeah. to do is what they what they did in the '80s, which was you know outspend the Russians. But that was the arms race. This is slightly different. different. This is over territory, you know. Well, how much territory? And, they um, they got Crimea, which was traditionally Russian anyway, mm-hmm. uh, during the Obama administration. Uh, the, the actual area that Russia has invaded was really just along the western uh, front, so to speak, or the western edge of the country, the eastern, yeah. excuse me, the eastern side of the country, which was ethnically Russian anyway. They, didn't, they, they, uh, they had more in common with Russia than they had in common with Ukraine. 
with ethnic Ukrainians. Yeah. You know, so, these, yeah. so, so so Ukraine split down the middle by the something called the Dnieper River. So the Dnieper, you know, pretty much in the middle goes through Kiev. It's not Kiev, it's Kiev. Yeah. And so you've got the yeah. eastern half is more Russian, the western half is more German. So, <laughs> you know, there's no good there's no good people here. Uh, Henry Kissinger, remember what Henry Kissinger said about the war between Iran and Iraq? Remember his famous quote? Uh, you know, it's still yeah. early in the morning for me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he he said the only problem with the war in you uh, with Iraq and Iran is that we can only have one loser. Hmm. So he didn't care who won. Now, he's pretty disgusting in that regard. But in other words, the thing was that he knew. He knew there wasn't going to be a winner. He knew, you know, and everybody knows, anybody who analyzes this knows that Ukraine could never beat Russia in a war. Never. No. So the people that funded it knew that also. See, that's the evil, all right? That's the real evil to me. And and there and that's what that's what a lot of some of the Republicans are saying right now too is like you know we need a game plan here not just you know keep throwing money at the problem and hope that, that you know something happens because you know Russia is never going to give and you know the Ukraine is basically trying to fight you know an enemy that is way beyond them in in numbers and, mm-hmm. and even technology and they're yeah. just uh, they're just toying with them right now. If they really wanted to get serious, they bombed the shit out of Kiev and, you know, yeah, marched troops over there. They, they could have invaded and, the whole uh, country, taken it over, and evicted yeah. the, the, the Lobachevsky government, whatever, the Zelensky government. Um, and they could mm-hmm. have, uh, I mean, they're, they're so corrupt. I mean, they, you know, Zelensky's wife goes to Paris for shopping. Yeah, you know, they're, taking, they're siphoning off. Yeah, yeah, they're siphoning off billions of dollars of our taxpayer money. Uh, just like the Kuwaitis did when we were, you know, at war in Iraq to save Kuwait from, you know, slant drilling and things like that. The Kuwaitis were on the Mediterranean. They were in the Riviera. You know, the Zelensky folks, yeah. you know, the families are, are socking away billions and billions of dollars. They're stealing. They're not, they're not using it to fight the war. They don't care about the war. They just care about making money. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, that's what Russia did at first. Remember, Russia came in all the way. And actually took the Kiev airport, right? And yeah, I think so. That I'm was not sure. that, that makes sense, though. Yeah. And then they back off. They don't have it now. And then they back off, and it was just to show them what they could do. It's like, look, if we were really serious, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we we tear right through your country like a, like a like a piece of tissue paper. Yeah. So um, Putin's been really restrained from what he could do, and I think people yeah, forget yeah, that. Yeah, he's been very restrained. Yeah, um, he just wants his territory. He wants his territory, but he also wants the support of the people. You're not going to get a lot of support if you start killing their friends and family, you know, in other that's parts true. of the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why he did. That's why he did what he did. He's like, okay, I'm just going to take the airport, and and then he did launch some weapons against Kiev too. Yes. And uh, just and it just shows, like, look, you know, I can I can take this whole country if I want to. You know, if mm-hmm. you want to do this whole like you know cat and mouse thing, you know, with Crimea. Well, I guess it's Russia, do that, they, and but, yeah. they don't mind huge loss of life. I mean, they live through huge loss of life. Plus, their nuclear weapons in Belarus, mm-hmm. and we have listeners in Belarus, by the way. I'm hoping one will call in sometime or type in on live chat. Yeah, please um, do. But, yeah, it'd be great. But I, I, I would love to get a contact in Belarus just to find out, you know, what's what's going on, on the ground there. But Belarus is is Russian sympathetic. They've got Russian nuclear weapons, tactical nukes, in Belarus right now. And we yeah. know that, <laughs> you know, and we know that Russia would use them if we armed uh, Ukraine with some of the most advanced weapons we have. 
So this is why this is so stupid. Well, tactical nudes aren't as bad as people think. I mean, it's not like the big mushroom cloud that you know, no, tears open a city. But um, they're, they're, they're certainly very accurate and, and very, very destructive. Mm-hmm. And um, not to mention the radioactive fallout as well. Well, that's a lot that's been so. taken care of. Um, Peter Pratt told us all about the, the fifth generation nuclear weapons. They're small, low mm-hmm. yield, low radiation. Uh, they're just very, um, you know, the bang for the buck. They're much cheaper than conventional weapons. Cheap, so if yeah. you use it, they have artillery shells that have nuclear, small nuclear bombs inside them. You know, this is very miniaturized now. So the fourth and fifth generation nuclear weapons are extremely accurate, extremely low yield. They'll blow up a bridge or you know take out half a city or something like that, but uh, or, or take out a whole yeah. bunch of troops. But the radiation that's changed. It's not the the old dirty bombs, the old mushroom clouds, the the ICBMs. It's not Doctor Strange love anymore. Well, great. That's good news for somebody, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's, the, it's, the it's, thing yeah. is, is that World War Three is not acceptable. Period. No. And if you know, and if the president tries to, you know, steer us towards that, you know, I, I don't think he'll survive the day. I, I think his own Secret Service might put a bullet in his head or something. I mean, nobody wants. No, I don't think it's that bad. But I World think War that, III. I, I, I always hesitate to associate anytime we talk about somebody who's in the White House with violence, just because, just because people can take things out of context. Um, but uh, yeah. if if the Party Twenty Fifth amended Brandon, because he could start a war and not know it. Mm. Because he, yes, you know, absolutely. he, he can't, he can't distinguish between movies and real life. <clears throat> he has no concept of reality. So, so the biggest danger Correct. right now is that he would do something not knowing what he's doing, or thinking that it's not real, or thinking that it is real when it isn't. So he has no. That's judgment. what, that's what no I business. said last time. He can, he can yeah. be a very dangerous man in that sure. office. Nobody really seems to appreciate it. They think they can handle him and get him to do what they, what they want him to do. Um, but, um, you know, the military doesn't check with his staff before, you know, once the president gives some orders, they're, they're bound to follow them or they'll mm-hmm. get, you know, yeah, like, commander convicted chief. of treason or something. Right. Well, no, it's not um, treason, but mm-hmm. it would be disobeying orders and it would be, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a, it's not a good martial. thing for them. No, it's, yeah, it's a very, anyway. very yeah. bad thing. Yeah. So why tolerate, yeah, so, so why, why the Democrat party tolerate this guy there? What, what function does he serve? He functions to keep Bernie Sanders out. That's, that's what it? He functions to do. Yeah. That's the one everybody wanted to be president was Bernie Sanders because he was actually going to do the things that Democrats are supposed to do. And Biden was just going to be like a seat warmer for the Uniparty. So he, he hmm. seeks it to, keep, um, to keep Bernie Sanders out. It, it's, the narrative that he keeps Trump out is complete malarkey. Because the thing is, every poll, every one that was done said the only person who could beat Donald Trump was Bernie Sanders. I was just going to so ask you that. That was really. Yeah, that would have been a great that? election. No, I was just going to ask you, yeah, you know, so, do you think that Bernie Sanders could beat Donald Trump? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But so why go with is, Hillary the party then? won't let him get that far. Why did the Democrats go with Hillary then? Because she's deep state? For the same, for the same reason, because they uh, – Biden wasn't really an wasn't really an answer that they wanted. Okay. And the only the only the only candidate who could um, possibly pull some pull some support away was um, possibly pull some support away from Bernie Sanders was Hillary Clinton. Okay. Same ridiculous meme. Um, Mm. And the whole thing is falling on the whole house of cards is falling down. 
you know, they're they're trying to figure out what you know how to back out of this and how to get Biden out of this without him, you know, you know, pulling the copper wiring out of the walls as he leaves the building. <laughs> um, would uh, would Kamala Harris taking over for the the balance of his term? Let's say the Democrats, you know, did the twenty fifth amendment and, and they removed Biden. With her taking over, do you think that would be better or worse for the Democrat Party? It would be a zero sum, really. Some okay. things would be better. A lot, a lot of things would be worse. Um, I don't think. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, a well, an un, not so well kept secret that that's that's a non-starter for the Democrats. Okay. Um, so I, I, I was kind of thinking to myself over the weekend, like, you know, well, you know, they could still offer her job back, you know, <laughs> in as California. Vice president again? Oh. No, as as senator. Attorney General. You know, oh, um, senator. Okay. Yeah, they could they well, could offer her question. old job back, and then appoint somebody else, and then have Biden resign. That's the way I probably would have done it. Um, I mean, they could still do that. They can make her some sort of an offer for something like ambassador to some country where she can just live out her days or something like that. Um, <laughs> seriously, that's that's well, that's not Pelosi's healthy. you know exit strategy. Exit strategy. She can't live in San Francisco. They hate her guts. Um, Bermuda. So, you know, make her Not some offer, away. get her yeah. out of the vice presidency, then, mm-hmm. you know, nominate somebody who, you know, would be good for everybody and then have Biden resign or 25th or whatever you want to do. I would think that's their strategy. I, 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 I don't think they trust the people who would be administering that situation enough mm-hmm. to have that fall through. So now they're trying to scramble to figure out, well, you know, can we maybe we'll let him get impeached or um, there's a bunch of other things. But it's a huge mess, just like we talked about before. It's a huge, huge mess. And um, it's just getting worse for them with the with the criminal probes and, and his ever de- deteriorating health. Um, he might even just die in office, which would be which would be the worst thing for everybody. And it, as we and I think that was even God giving us a test run with Feinstein <laughs> is, you know, yeah. You know, get her to re- get them to resign so you can you know, so you can work on your terms and your timetable, rather than have you know, have to scramble and have some unpleasantness you know take over in the meantime. Huh. So you know, it, it's very possible that Biden could just drop dead one day, and then and then it's an automatic. Well, he's had two brain aneurysms and his mental state is declining constantly. He's getting worse. Everybody knows that. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before he won't yeah. be able to function at all. Uh, and that's sad, yeah. but that doesn't excuse the fact that but you can't be in the presidency. You can't be in the White House with that. Kind of, you can't have your finger on the nuclear button if you're not mentally competent. No. You know, yeah. so Kamala Harris Absolutely. would be mentally competent, but she'd be terrible. <laughs> you know, so it exactly. would, and that would, I think, would hurt the Democrats even more. So you need to find a, a way or I guess. Sorry, are you just hoping that Brandon hangs on through the soon. election and loses or what? Well, who's, um, well, who's going to run? Who's going to run in the, or, or uh, are the Democrats going? Joe with, Kennedy. With, uh, let's Joe talk Kennedy, about Robert, uh, Bob Robert Kennedy. Kennedy. OK, Bob. so now what if he runs as an independent? Well, that's the that's what that's what the supposed announcement is going to be on the ninth, and okay. um, and I you know I think it, it'll be good for him. You know, I I've often thought about it myself. You but know, why are the Democrats <laughs> rallying around him? 
you know, he is, a, he's like the epitome They're not really Democrat. rallying because it's the same deal. They they think he'll split the vote or something, then Trump will get elected. No, not it's as all a bunch of but as a Democrat. Nonsense. You know, he would That's be what a I mean. great. That's what yeah, I'm he's saying. White. That's why they've so been trying the to disparage him. There's, yeah, they're still pushing this narrative of Biden, and it's, they're so stupid. I, I can't yeah. think. They're, they're unbelievably stupid. And you know that's why they call it the Beltway because you know you get sheltered and you you think you yeah you think life is just your own the paradigms that you know work in Washington when the in nation fact, of government you, know, you have to get the country to sign off on, on these things before you can do these things so those those pesky you know unwashed masses have to unfortunately have their say <laughs> and their say may not be what you like them to say so we got to well, end on that because I I got to run to another call here. Okay, that's fine. Um, but, because we want to talk. Let about, me just yeah, plug my next. Uh, yes, please do. Go let ahead. me just plug Steve here. Um, so our next week's show, we're going to be having uh, MAGA Mega Man Steve Stern, <laughs> also known as the Flag Guy. He's a regular on um, Steve Bannon's show, and uh, oh, you know O A N, Real America, all those good MAGA um, outlets, and we're going to have him on. Next time, maybe uh, somebody else, too. Uh, I don't know if Raj is going to come in on the call, too, but it's going to be fun. In the meantime... I'll do one at a time. Uh, one is generally better because we can really talk to him. Um, but if you have another yeah. person, that's good. But I like, I like one guest um, because you and I are both going to have questions, and that's three people. And then you, get, you get more than that, it starts getting complicated. But to Steve Stern is going to be fascinating. I want to find out how you two met and connected. I mean, I've got lots of questions, so, but we'll get that. You've got to go. Okay. So uh, websites... Uh, Facebook pages, anything, and yes. uh, we'll do it next week. Okay, so my my uh, my Facebook, you can see um, the Progressive Report. I might you know, I have to search the Real Progressive Report. Uh, my campaign page, Bianca for San Francisco dot org. Please, please donate if you hate Nancy Pelosi. Don't make excuses. Now is the time to act. Twenty dollars gets on, gets you on the FEC database and a report that Nancy Pelosi looks at. And when she sees all these arrows of money coming from all over the country, she's really going to feel that hate. So let's make her feel that hate. Please donate. Bianca for San Francisco.org. Just hit the red give button and it'll take you there. It's been great. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bianca. Great report. Thank you. All right. So I'm done. <laughs> this has been a, an amazing day. Um, and so all the folks over here, so my own rant for my hour, uh, Bonnie, you'll be back next week. Uh, Bianca, fabulous as always. Uh, and again, it's interesting, you know, it, it continually amazes me how much we can, how much we do agree on. It's, it's really quite fascinating. Um, we had uh, Bill to start and then Wendy. And then uh, this has been a great day. So anyway, we'll do it all again tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We've got a couple of hours free in the morning. So this might be time to uh, play some old interviews or, or try some different things. I don't know. We've got CJ with the Wellness Watch uh, in, the, in the last hour at 9 o'clock. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to her. And then it's going to be fun. Friday's packed. We have our two new gun reporters, uh, Candy Petticord and uh, John Demonico. Uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. So they're going to have half an hour each. And so Friday's going to be cool. We're starting off with, um, uh, with Tara. Tara D. and the Animal Shelter Report. We've got um, Derek Park and the Financial Report. We've got our two gun reporters, uh, Candy and John. Uh, and then we've got uh, a special guest on Friday, Andy Ross. Andy Ross is another big conservative, so we're going to talk to him as well. Busy week. A lot of things to do. And, of course, remember our legislation, writeyourlaws.com. And I will talk to you all tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time when we do it all again. <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.